0: Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and Measuring Flicks... Is a listener supported podcast If you'd like to uh, contribute to this Little show of ours which is entering It's fourth season I can't even believe it um, You can head on over to I know know, man it's the (laughs) official first episode of season four um you can head on over to patreon.com/quillandfilm q u i l l a n d f i l m for full length bonus episodes shout outs on the show um occasional film giveaways uh from and and all sorts of other amazing things if you want to know what a shout out on the show sounds like it sounds a little something like this we would love to thank our patron mm, yeah. our longest our very I believe it's our very first patron all the way going all the way back to April 2nd of 2018, we would love to thank the head of the Glitter Nation, Casey Shibe. Thank you so much. Casey Shiby. We would love to thank William Rockwood, Daniele Hartelli, a close member of the FCK family. We'd also like to thank Connor Sweeney, David Rowney, Kelly and Mike Wagner, Brian Jackson, Sarah Hartley, the hermit Sarah Hartley. Out <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the woods? Renowned auteur, genius director Jeffrey T. Morgan. Jeffrey... Tenelius Morgan, uh, Kevin Ramirez, and uh, Leslie Ty. Thank you all so much for your support you have kept the lights on you got us through the wackadoo schmackadoo burning dumpster fire trash pile that was 2020 <laughs> and or measuring flick season three that w- odd collection of junk that carl and i just the had cor- lying around. the
1: quarantine tapes will forever live in infamy
0: yeah and the we i don't know if we would have made it past the quarantine tapes if it hadn't been for your support thank you so Absolutely much not. and thank you to all of you who are not yet patrons who are just listening to us This is the reason that we do this We've gotten some of our films from season 4 Are coming from listener recommendations And listener requests So if you'd like to recommend something Or request an episode Or just tell us how awesome we are Or tell me how irritating my voice is You can drop us a line At measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com So thank y'all so much um, We are officially beginning season 4 With the start of season 4 There are a couple of things that are happening We are going to resume paywalling content over on Patreon.com. During 2020, during the quarantine tapes, uh, we did not paywall anything just because COVID was so fucked and we wanted all of you to have as much free content as you possibly could. All of that is going to remain unpaywalled. Anything that was put out before Season 4 began out on Patreon is still free on Patreon and always will be. So you can head on over there. And, uh, and listen to all that great stuff um, The other thing that we're going to start doing Is we're going to return to uh, our original show format From seasons 1 and 2 Which means that we're going to stick to a theme Four films a month Every quarter, we're going to shoot out all of those films. We're going to come up with four winners throughout the year, and then we're going to shoot those four winners out at the very end. Pick them up like GI Joes and Barbies, mash them together, make them fuck, make them fight, and see <laughs> see which one lives on top of the mountain.
1: Well, I love making GI Joes fuck, Max. Yeah, sure. yeah.
0: um And actually, a couple of GI Joes fucking is pretty apropos. Or should I say, Isn't it a couple of cowboys fucking? I would like to introduce to you. This month's theme. Um, so for this first month, we decided there's been one man, ah! one man. He's more. He's really more of an iconoclast. He's a he's a legend. <laughs> mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm, a giggly mm-hmm. little yes. schoolgirl right now too. He, he
2: is. <laughs> he's
0: so adorable. But uh, to be to be to be honest and to be to open my heart for for real, not for lulls, do for that. a moment. There is if there's one person who has recommended more. 10 out of 10 outstanding fucking films um, to Carl and I And has gener- incidentally generated more content on accident Than actually maybe Carl and I have on our own um, That's Connor Sweeney So this month our theme is Forbidden Love Curated mm. by the one, the only, the international terrorist Connor Sweeney <laughs> Connor say <Tripod> hello to <laughs> himself Hello everyone <laughs>
2: I'm so glad to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, after that. national terrorist. I'm right. Glad after,
2: to, yeah, I'm, after that. I'm glad to, actually, I should make a correction. I'm finally off the watch list, so
1: they've let me back the into we were society. Re- that we were responsible for putting you on. It, all the way, all the way back yeah. in
0: season one when we were just <laughs> rampantly accusing Connor of just heinous <laughs> crimes on air and all sorts God. of awful stuff. And the mm, fact yeah, that we, it, (laughs) The fact that you stuck with us this long After that barrage of abuse I'd like to
2: take a moment to address that My life has been essentially a mountain of paperwork For two years now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to deal with the government and get out of this situation you put me in, so yeah. But you, uh, you, thanks for that, I guess. You're um, welcome.
0: But you can't tell me that those residuals from the, uh, the ball peeny hammer fortune that you've been getting in the mail haven't helped out your legal fees no, a little it's bit. it's the only
2: thing keeping me afloat at this point. <laughs> However, I will say I have learned a great deal about our legal system, so, you know— well, you're welcome. You take the wins where you can get them. It's yeah. been an education. And, well, and it was anyway. a pleasure to
0: put you in that situation, Connor. And <laughs> so, um, please don't ever do it again.
2: Yeah. Well, we're
0: gonna. But. <laughs> yep.
1: You can pretty much bank on that. Yep. Connor, that's Sweeney. great.
0: Death taxes awesome. and us ta- and dust shit talking, Connor. Swing. <laughs> um, <sighs> so honestly, you were the one who recommended to us, uh, "Get Out." Us. Hey, that's right. The Lighthouse. Great Mandy. Yeah. Great movie. You great movie. Uh, Dude, I know. And that You have a great impeccable taste
1: in movies. Oh. Sir. And
0: that is Well, and that's why we decided we'll to see. give Connor.
1: <laughs> After this month, you may not want me anymore.
0: Well, that's why we gave you a Spoilers, month.
1: Spoilers. I love this movie, so. Yeah, dude. That.
0: Honestly, the 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 one you opened with is an a, is an absolute masterpiece. There's there is no it denying is. it. So I think we should probably I'm pull back the so. curtain. Um, for Let's those get into it. for those who can't read the episode title and let <laughs> and let listeners know for all know, of our blind listeners Yeah, yeah. So th- yeah, um for all feel of the, the brain, braille on your iPhone or my brother who's f- just never learned to read. Um Aww. today we are talking about 2005's Brokeback Mountain. Whew, I just got chills.
1: If you're looking for work. I suggest you get
0: in here pronto. Well, since we're gonna be working together, I reckon it's time we start drinking together. Yeah. Jack?
1: We was fishing buddies. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be like this, just like this, always. This thing grabs hold of us in the wrong place, we're dead. The boys sure found a way to make the time pass up there.
3: You don't go up there to fish. You don't know nothing about it.
2: See how bad it gets. If you can't fix
1: it, you got a standard.
2: I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs>
1: Was one.
0: That trailer does not do that film justice. No, not you get all. a lot.
1: You get a lot of the song that was
2: well, you get part of it, but actually, I just googled this because I wanted to know that's the uh, that's the Shawshank Redemption score. I guess they use that in a lot of trailers, but at the end, there that mm-hmm. kind of soaring orchestral piece, yeah. Um, it's not Gustavo Santayaya's score, which we will definitely get into a little bit you just hear a little bit of the wings the the kind of signature track from the soundtrack right right
0: um Um, so this film is directed by ang lee and i really want to dig into him a little bit especially uh, yeah yeah especially comparing this to one of his other movies which i would hold up as a masterpiece which is of course the Hulk. The Hulk. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> thank you for both saying that. Uh... Uh, all right. So let me run through this cast. It's a. Pr- oh, it's man. honestly it's a pretty outstanding cast, and I do have some fun trivia right up top for everybody. Um. So right out the gates, starring Heath Ledger, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michelle Williams, Anne Hathaway, Linda Cardellini, Randy Quaid, Scott Michael Campbell, Kate Mara. Um, and then, of course, you've got... there. I, I honestly feel like the cast extends beyond the performances this time because the screenwriters... So this, this screenplay was written by Larry McMurtry, based, of course, on the short story Brokeback Mountain by Annie Prohl. Hmm.
3: Sounded sort of like you said screenwriters, implying more than one, and then sort of glossed over screenwriter Diana Ossana, without whom this film would literally not have been made. I'm sure it was just an oversight. Probably easy to miss small details like the genesis of the fucking film from up there on your high horse. Let's see, shall
0: we? Um, originally published in The New Yorker. Uh, it was later collected in a slightly expanded edition in her short story collection Close Range Wyoming Stories, which I cannot recommend highly enough. If you like this movie or if you've read that short story and like that writing style, that is a mm-hmm. book you should check out. Interestingly, I wanted to—this is more for you, Carl. I want. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is kind of for, for you, too, Connor, because I'm pretty sure Hereditary was one that you mentioned to me ages ago. Uh, another Annie Pearl novel was recently adapted by National Geographic into a series, and that novel's called Barkskins. But the uh, National Geographic series is scored by Measuring Flick's favorite, Colin Stetson. So no kidding. I have listened to his soundtrack for that a couple times and it's pretty outstanding. So there is a- side
1: note. Hereditary is a great soundtrack to listen to when you're playing Arkham Horror. Figured that out last night. Had to stop listening to it. It freaked me out too much. Anyways,
0: it is my all time favorite writing soundtrack. Um, my other two are The Lighthouse and Color Out of Space. So hey, you know what
2: my all time favorite writing
0: soundtrack is? What's that? Brokeback Mountain by Gustavo Santayaya. It's pretty fucking good. So there is a second (laughs) screenwriting credit on this. Diana Osana.
3: Ah, here we go. Had me worried there for a moment. And now, listener, we come to Diana Osana, arguably one of the most important people involved in the making of this film. Take it away, Max. I'm sure you've done your research.
0: But I am dubious of it. What a fucking
3: jackass. Connor, would you explain to this bloviating chode precisely who Diana Osana is?
2: A quick note too on uh, just on Diana Osana. It looks like she's a frequent collaborator of Larry McMurtry's. Ah, okay. she has a writing credit is... on Dead Man's Walk as well. So
0: the novel uh, on or the...
3: The, the just listen to him backpedal. What's this I have here? Oh. Max's hardcover first edition of Dead Man's Walk by Larry McMurtry. Hmm, let's flip to the dedication page, shall we? Ah, for Sarah Osana. Très belle, très claire, très fidèle. Whether or not Diana Osana helped write this book, McMurtry dedicated it to her daughter. Connor, please continue.
2: Um, it looks like the final chapter of, of Lonesome Dove. So I, I guess that was the, the film adaptation of of Lonesome Dove. That was a TV show, right? It was like a mini series. Yep. Or a mini series. So she has a writing credit on the dead man's walk part of the Lonesome Dove mini series. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing she's just a collaborator of Larry McMurtry. So they've probably written together in the
0: past, which is why she probably has a writing credit on the, the film as well. I'm sure she did some. I did literally no research whatsoever. And I fully and heartily apologize to you, Diana Osana. Um, well, that's, I mean, hey, man. <laughs> okay, I mean, she is, she is
2: my mother, but you know, right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I bet you thought that was all. No, Connor why don't you tell Max the rest of it?
2: Quick Diana Osana spotlight. Yeah, let's do it. A little Diana sidebar. Diana uh, Osana is an American writer who has collaborated on writing screenplays, teleplays, and novels with author Larry McMurtry since they first worked together in 1992 on the semi-fictionalized biography Pretty Boy Floyd. She won an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay uh, for her screenplay of um, uh, Brokeback Mountain, actually. <sighs> wow. This movie, she won an Academy Award for.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> but she may not have had much to do with the She is a published author or... in
0: her own right of several short stories and essays. So, Mrs. or Ms. Asana, if you want to reach out to me with a mailing address, I will start sending bouquets once monthly mm-hmm. for the remainder of both our natural oh. lives. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, no. There's Why?
2: Oh. I'm sorry. I'm going to fully bury you right now. Go for it, my brother. <laughs> Osana first read the Annie Proulx short story, Brokeback Mountain, in 1997. She immediately urged her writing partner, Mick to read it and asked him if, she, if he felt they could write a screenplay based upon the story. She brought it to him, Max.
3: All right, let's just paint down this last little bit of dirt on top of that hole that Max dug for himself. Scratch out it. And a quick little epitaph. Here lies an asshole, and voila, Max is completely buried. I guess we better dig him up and and uh, get back to the show.
2: And uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, because I just wanted to note, because so much is taken directly. Lifted from the short story of the dialogue. Right. Uh, it looks like Annie Prue does have a writing credit on the film as well. It wasn't. I even... don't know that she necessarily wrote the script
0: with them, but they just took like whole paragraphs of dialogue right, right out of the story in and the... I highlighted a bunch of those too. In the credits and of this one, I think it's credit. She's credited as based on the short story by.
2: Okay, um, gotcha. I just have her as a writer. on the thing I'm looking at. Are you on
0: IMDb? But... Yeah, yeah. In the uh, no, I'm on Letterboxed. Oh, in the closing credits, it says uh, screenplay by, and then it's it's uh, Larry McMurtry. And... Yeah, Yeah. well, she's the next credit slide because the the screenwriters get their own slide and then the next one Mm -hmm. is based on and then it's Annie. She gets her own her whole own credit for the story.
2: Do you you guys just want to have a three hour talk about
0: billing? Because it's one of my favorite subjects. I mean, I want to start our (laughs) three hour talk about with focus features. (laughs) We've talked in the past, Carl, about how sometimes when you're watching a movie, that opening title that the opening like production company card comes up and most... i love
1: you so much my fucking first two notes are about that very thing
0: Mo- <laughs> about focus features <laughs> most of the time you don't give a shit because it's it's like the the family guy joke of like you can't tell when the movie's starting because the production company credits are like mini movies all their own
1: exactly oh shit we're what that was just a very clever bumper for yeah. the production company yeah. But
0: there are a couple like if you're if you're sitting down to watch a 90s horror movie and you see New Line Cinema you're like oh yes. this is going to yes. be good or if you're watching any other film from the '90s and it's Miramax or on, mm-hmm. you know the Weinstein Company, you know that you are in for. I know I hate saying that name, but it's yeah, true, dude. It is Sorry, true. I just made a face. I, you <laughs> can't, I know, funny.
2: but you—it's undeniable. I mean, the guy ran Hollywood for you know a couple decades, right? But. It's
0: it that yes, that dude sucks. <laughs> no, but we, just, in prison, we so. always say it on the show, man. Like every—it's true <laughs> though. It is true every time. It's, that it's fucking hard to logo talk about a lot up. of this stuff.
2: It's something I run into a lot too. Even talking about like. Favorite performances of actors who nowadays have been revealed to be absolute disgusting abusers. Yeah, and can't talk
1: about like Glenn Gary like, Glenn Ross anymore. Like. It's
0: yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so uh, I mean, why? Which one of them of the many people? In <laughs> That's of what the I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, so here's the but here's the thing because Carl and I have over 4 se- well 3 seasons heading into 4 seasons now we have always made a very clear distinction and i don't i think it's safe yeah, to you say you got
2: to separate the art from the artist and I, it's it's easier to do that with some people than it is with others
0: right right yeah so okay so i actually watched a movie today not this one i watched la confidential today and sure. kevin spacey is prominent in that movie right yeah he was a prominent actor for a good that two is, decades. Totally, mm-hmm. and so this is—he's in
2: some of my favorite films.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I'll—he gives some of my favorite performances. I don't yeah, like he's the, an incredible actor. Yes, he totally is. I'm glad that we can say Fox, that. He's a too. shitty person. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. There. That's that's exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. It. No. Is, it's, there's no way around that. Like, I actually just, just got, like. I got a listener email um, about, I would say, a month ago asking what Mm -hmm. my opinion of Shia LaBeouf was because of the whole – you've seen his new – I just saw
2: Pieces of a Woman. I I liked parts of it. I didn't like other parts. But, man, his scenes are kind of hard to get through given what just came out about him because his character in that movie is very much an abusive husband.
0: Right. And And you're like,
2: oh. Fuck. Well, well he, you're he, playing
0: this very well. He did a movie a couple of years ago about himself. It was very autobiographical. Honey Boy, yeah, Honey Boy, yeah.
2: Movie. I, I saw that a while back. Yeah.
0: So my my response was essentially Ooh. that, like, p- people are fallible and people make horrible horrible decisions and people yeah. are shitty and people are abusive and some people end up. Evil like I would I would argue some of the actors like for example Harvey Weinstein is like literally one of the shittiest humans in modern history that I can think of right like a Mm -hmm. literally a serial rapist but he's a bad person right but (laughs) there's art there is art associated with that person he's
2: shepherded a lot of brilliant films into the public
0: and what oh, I always try to re- what I always try to remind myself is with each, <clears> with <throat> actors who are controversial or with actors who have like even even actors who are questionable, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's also the cameraman and the director and all of that oh, yeah. actor's co stars. And if you just are like, oh, Kevin Spacey's in that movie, I'll never watch it again. You're you're just discarding the work. You're of- missing
1: out on Guy Pierce. Well, you're yeah, missing yeah, out you're- on Kim Basinger. You're missing you out on out the writing.
0: I mean, I don't know how good Kim Basinger was in that movie, but Guy Pierce is
1: the best thing. It's
0: the best thing that
1: she'd ever done. And what, dude? Cool (laughs) world. (laughs) I I stand
2: corrected. Yeah, Uh, dude. Wayne's World 2. Okay, yes. All right, Wayne's.
1: I'm just going to eat my fucking hat.
2: (laughs) She's Honey Hornet in Wayne's World 2. Focus Features is also responsible for the most unfortunately named horror film of 2020, which was, which is called Come Play. Come Play. (laughs) Come I mean, play, like look, playing with cum, or I'd, I'd watch it. No, like it's it's about a monster who like you know likes cum, gets a little oh come, come play, play with play. them,
1: and if kid I turns evil or
2: something of, like like C O M E, come, come play, like come play. I'm a monster, but also come play. Come on, 2020 was bro.
0: A, Look, bro, 2020 was a very <laughs> horny year for everyone. There was nothing to do, Seriously. but but masturbate and then sit in your shame. So
1: I kind of understand. <laughs> Those are going to be some real smelly pinatas Because of the paper mache If you used your your end
0: I agree It's a a terrible (laughs) title I I personally think that this film Mm -hmm. For some reason This title This movie is a masterpiece 10 out of 10 for me I regret not buying it I will be buying the blu-ray It's a fucking masterpiece I feel like the title is too on the nose I watched this for the first time in high school Okay so just imagine 14-year-old Max, zits mm-hmm. all over his face, long hair, shitty sense, you know, like very juvenile sense of humor, much like Max at 30. Sure. Yeah. But I do think that this movie opens itself up with the title just to become a joke. Well, itself. it was a joke.
1: It, right. Because, I mean, the yeah, I remember it was even like every talk show that had a, you know, their cold open, hey, we're going to warm up the crowd. Hey, have anyone seen that? Broke crack mountain, whatever it is, the cowboy movie. Like,
0: right. I mean, you just take five seconds, listener, you can think (sighs) of a million and a half puns and jokes that go with this (laughs) title. Now, look, at 30, watching this seriously and taking notes, it's so poignant. It's so beautiful. And honestly, like, even the name of the mountain becomes relevant, becomes symbolic. But. You gotta, there is a diff. there's another type of person who's gonna try and watch this movie, or not watch this movie, or just mock this movie Spoilers, I was
1: that different kind of person watching it 20 years ago
0: Right We
1: can get into when we get into it, but Sure a lot has changed. I feel like Connor episodes are also going to be Carl confessional hours too. Because <laughs> last time, last great. time I, I got did. deep on anything was getting into my like uh, addiction to drugs and alcohol back when I was living in Baltimore, that's and that. now it's going to be like my journey into discovering what my sexuality is all. Is that about. during
0: our leaving Las Vegas, leaving Las Vegas. It was, <laughs> yeah the three hour. I fucking... almost
1: died. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> um, um. Yeah. No.
0: Go
2: yeah, ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I was to say it i think that's okay i think it is necessary with this movie in particular to acknowledge how different the world was in 2005 versus 2021 definitely because the i I was just talking with my mom about this today like how much has changed in how short of a time society wise especially in the u.s Mm -hmm. it's
0: staggering yeah like this is 15 years ago yeah, well, and yeah. in
2: cons- in
1: considering the eras that this movie um, depicts, I mean, we start in 1963, <laughs> moving into, like, late 80s, early 90s, I believe, is where it, it was, like, a 20-year.
0: Um, yeah, it is ends, 20 years. It starts it, in 63. It ends in the 80s. Yep.
1: Yeah. yep. Um, so that even has a considerable amount of change, and but then even more so now, you know, bringing us to, to, to present in 2021.
0: Yeah. On the converse, one of the things that most upset me in a good way, made me think and made me feel. Mm-hmm. One of the things that upset me most about this movie is how timeless it feels. Even when yeah. we're in the 60s, it feels like it's now. When we're in the 80s, the only thing that that makes it seem have like the 80s is too. the hair and the clothes, but like people's yeah. attitudes and the way that these pe- people are treating each other. And- That's
1: wild that you say that. Yes, because like I have my one of my first notes is 1963, so he is the James Dean of his generation, that sort of a thing. But then halfway through the movie I I forgot what era we were in because it felt like now.
2: Right. It seems like it could take place now, especially because in some of those, you know, I I don't want to stereotype because I've never lived there or anything, but I've certainly visited, you know, towns out west and stuff like that. And a lot of where this was shot. Yes. But also (laughs) in Wyoming where it's set. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, I've been to several places in Wyoming and you see these towns where, people are driving, you know, 20-year-old trucks and stuff like that and people are dressing like it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I... And there's a way of life there where they don't necessarily feel they they need to keep up with the times or anything. Like they're kind of mm-hmm. happy with where they're at and yeah. change is very slow in a lot of places like that. And I, Much... yeah, I again, I don't want to stereotype a way of life for people, but well... it, it certainly does seem like you could be walking into one of those towns now in the movie and it would look the same.
0: Much like Carl's confessional um, in the Leaving Las Vegas episode from season two, you don't have to go to Wyoming, man. I'm from the Upper Peninsula. And I can tell you right now that when I grew up, like these trucks, these are my uncle's truck. This is my brother's mm-hmm. second high school truck. I used to make a joke because when Bird and I moved to Maine, you have to get your vehicle inspected. If You, have, you can't have like rust holes and shit yep. in your car. And, you know, I went up there and I before I'd switched my tags, they're like, oh, it's a Michigan car because you need to get it inspected before they'll give you main tags. And he's like this. So what's you guys don't get inspections over there? I'm like, man, the joke I was told people was like, oh, no, if you're in the passenger seat, your job is to catch parts falling off and weld them back yeah. on while the car's driving.' Yeah, I mean, like. And another thing about the upper peninsula And so I grew up in a really small town I won't I won't name it I think I've said it in the past You guys can dig through it if you want to find it But just because of the context I'll, I'll shield it a little bit The town that I grew up in is very very small And one of the things that I first heard When we moved to town um, Was that Within the previous decades So that would be in the 90s That some people in the town Had uh, uh, had basically assaulted and vandalized a gay man's home and harassed him to drive him out of town because they didn't want gay people in their town. That's in the nineties. That's in the Upper Peninsula. While I was in that town, while I lived there, this is current. This would be in like the two thousand. This is like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I was in high school at the time that this next thing happened. Um, again, just uh, rumors. I'd never I wasn't there It was nothing definite But some local people Who were of fairly high standing Like on the PTA And people knew him You'd see him at basketball games And you knew this family They broke into a dude's house And beat him into the hospital With a box fan Because uh, uh He'd had an impropriety With this guy's daughter um Had like a Some sexual relationship Or whatever And bunch of dudes um from it wasn't actually from this town it was from a very 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 near town but i i knew these people that i saw them all the time and they broke into this dude's house and beat him with an inch of his life with a fan and sent him to the hospital and no one said shit and that was that's and obviously that is not what the UP's like all over But just like some of the shit that's in this movie, some of the stuff that's Wyoming and oh, you think and and there's that thing of thinking like, well, out in the West, people are a little podunk. There's podunk pockets all over the place. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Isn't Laramie the Laramie Project? I mean, that's Wyoming. That whole
0: right. Right. Unfortunate event. There's there's even in 2021 There's still places like this There's places like Oh yeah They just don't really feel like They need to keep up with the times And people do live in Rusted out trailers With no furniture And busted down trucks That's I, I think this One of the things That this movie does really well Is it shows that That way of life Doesn't make you bad But Oh
2: no not at all. I right, mm-hmm. but... certainly was not implying that I think I was no, more course, Relating it to like the Kind of farming And ranching lifestyle Right Because that's definitely I mean certainly we have farmers not really so much ranchers here in Michigan but right, right. that's definitely a western thing like in some of those big farming states like Idaho Wyoming etc and the big ranching areas too I I think it's a just my perception of it and watching this movie too is um yeah that idea of just you know we've got what we need we're we're happy with the way things right. are and mm-hmm. uh, a and sort it's certainly of- not a, a negative thing it's just a we're settled Sort of thing. Set in you know, we your, don't need the set in your ways. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not even in a negative way. Just, uh, we, there's actually something very, it? there's something very
1: like comforting about that too, though. There's, there's oh, something yeah. to, to desire about that kind of lifestyle.
0: There, where yes. it's like,
1: you're not, you're not concerned about the newest fucking iPhone. It's like, sure. I've had this truck for 30 years. She still runs good. And I've got a, a, a ranch and a farm to take care of. I got a wife, a couple of kids. Like, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Right.
0: Like, Tradition it's... is. Tradition can be great. Prejudice can be never
1: good. Prejudice is
0: not the part of that (laughs) that is desirable. I think this movie kind of sets the viewer up to make those assumptions like, oh, look at these hillbillies. Look at these rednecks. Mm -hmm. Look at these. Oh, like, oh, it's a shit kicking cowboy town. And of course they're Mm -hmm. all shitty. And of course they beat a gay man to death. And oh, yeah, they're showing the little children a dead gay man so that the kids don't grow up gay. Oh, God, of course, of course. But then the movie shows you two Gay men one of whom is Totally impoverished Totally blue collar totally Working class but we see His his, well his lover Jake Gyllenhaal marries into a good family Becomes Mm -hmm. a successful combine Salesman and lives in a very White collar almost Borderline blue bloody low Level wealthy neighborhood he's Very affluent and he moves in affluent Circles and what we what this movie Shows us and what Annie Annie's Short story shows us is that regardless of where they are in that socioeconomic strata, they still run into the same prejudices. And I think this mm-hmm. movie sets up, Absolutely. and I love that about this film because it sets the viewer up to make assumptions about what we're seeing. These people are poor, they're ignorant, they're bigoted. But then it also shows you a bunch of rich people doing the same thing. But we, Absolutely. And we also we see the bad side of town, we see the good side of town. And both of those places have the same problems. And what this Mm -hmm. movie ultimately does is it takes all of those assumptions and excuses that we have in our heads. This is why, this is the problem. This is the problem and it's, if only we could. And it takes all those assumptions and and presuppositions that we have and it dismantles them and reduces it down to, or or reveals that really the problem comes down to individual people. And you can't blanketly say this part of town is bad or this group of people is bad. It comes down to the individual prejudices. That, yes, are reinforced by someone's culture and surroundings, but go ahead, Carl. Sorry.
1: And well, and I think that it's, it's interesting because we, we eventually get there right with seeing the environment, but besides the, the brief um, conversation in the trailer with Randy Quaid's character, we are in the woods for the first 40 minutes of this flick. There is no cultural differences between the two, right? It's just two men in the fucking wilds of Wyoming herding sheep there is no class structure there is no hey your truck is a few years older than mine there's none of that it's just two guys in the wilds of Wyoming and that's it we we don't get the rest of that until later so that's where we get primed for the relationship first Mm -hmm. and then that those other elements get brought in as secondary so then we have we have those things to sort of work within. It's...
0: May I gently disagree? Uh, you can't I... disagree. That's exactly how the movie is structured. <laughs> it's it's not though. So and he, I have and I will I can support this with film evidence. They don't right. they don't actually start on even footing. They be they are always they get to a point where they're on even footing when they're on Brokeback, but before that, Heath Ledger. He hitches into town and then walks in mm-hmm. on foot. Jake Gyllenhaal's sure. got a truck; it doesn't run well, but he's got a truck.
2: But he's got a truck,
0: and he ends up sure. being the one who is financially upwardly mobile. Whereas Heath Ledger never gets out of that hole. And actually, this is something that we see later in the movie too. Heath Ledger is driving rundown truck. He doesn't even have a proper horse trailer. He's got horses in the bed of his truck with a cage built around them. While Jake Gyllenhaal ultimately ends up With like an extended cab silver it's 80's Silverado with like Power mm-hmm. windows and one, one of the things that I really love about this movie As we get into this, the late Second and early third acts Is we start to see when, when they're out in the woods together You know when they're on their fishing trips We often see mm-hmm. both of them either totally naked Or in very similar clothing Until their final argument And that's when Jake Gyllenhaal shows up In like an L.L. Bean catalog and Heath Ledger is still in basically the same shirt And, and rugged boots and dirty hair But, mm-hmm. but now we see Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal's got the, the He's got his mustache and his hair is cut better than Heath Ledger's is And he's got a vest on that looks like it costs $500 And that's the first time in this movie That we see their socioeconomic status Creep into Brokeback Mountain Or creep mm-hmm. into their time in the wilderness And what I think is the only time these two men are genuinely equal, and the only time that you see the rest of the world just fall away. The rest of the world falls away when they're alone, and you. Yeah, poke... that's that's
1: what I was trying to. That's the point that I was trying to make.
0: Right. What you that
1: when the yeah. first the whole first part of the movie there, we get to experience that where those cultural differences or their social economic differences uh, fade away. And you then get it gets brought glimpse, more
2: glimpse of yeah. it right at the beginning. and Exactly. Then... They, they don't have to struggle through while on, we're, yes. Yeah. Board. We, yeah. yeah.
0: Right. All that
1: stuff happens later than when it gets brought back into the conversation.
0: Right. And I, I really like that their time Alone in the wilderness to me I I started referring to it in my notes As the dream capital D Dream Mm -hmm. because when they're alone When they're in some I think Keith Ledger Says at one point or Ennis says at one point Like yeah when we're way out in the hell of the middle Of nowhere where no one else is we can Be ourselves we can do this thing But as soon Mm -hmm. as they get back to the real world It's even shot Differently when we're in the real world The color Mm -hmm. palette cools down um, our shots become more structured Like when we're out on Brokeback Mountain Especially during like you said The first 35 or 40 minutes When we're, when they're just on the mountain herding sheep and We get mm-hmm. that initial encounter Where they establish this deep relationship And I do think we need A huge amount of time away from society Before we re-enter society So that we can really Sink the roots of this relationship yeah. So that One by one tearing those roots up Hurts us more This is a devastating mm-hmm. film by the end of this movie, yep. you are heartbroken and sobbing.
2: One uh, of the saddest films I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> it's super sad. It's not as sad as Leaving Las Vegas, not even close, but it's kind. Of, it's pretty sad. Yeah, it's 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 a rough one, and I think that one of the things that makes it rough is as the movie progresses, those moments of happiness, like all that initial thirty minutes, thirty five minutes of them on Brokeback. Discovering each other and and discovering this this thing that exists between them, which they I don't mm-hmm. think they ever fully articulate in the entire film. They
1: don't, and what's and I love that they don't because that sometimes is how love works. There is no words to put it together. I love that they say like I I I, I you know I ain't queer and I neither like but they love each other. It's like they're not even naming it anything, and that's such Dennis an interesting. Later
2: in the film, he just says. Yeah, no rain on this one.
0: Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. That whole quote, we see so much happiness in that first 30 minutes. We see them laughing. Uh, It starts with the elk hunt when they're like, you know, slapping Mm -hmm. each other on the shoulders. And yeah, and then they're that's when they start to form that camaraderie. But as the movie progresses, we see these men happy less and less and less until it gets to a point where I made a note of it because I hadn't seen Heath Ledger look even remotely comfortable or happy For so long that just seeing him at ease Was notable I was like oh he doesn't look stressed Or depressed or bummed mm. It's when they're sitting by the fire um, When they're at near the end And they're like on the water And they're sitting by the fire And they're passing a cigarette back and forth And drinking old road whiskey and that's the first time in like 20 minutes of film That Heath Ledger doesn't look like he's ready To like jump off a cliff You know what I mean? And I love, I love that because that's part of the melancholy But it also reinforces that there's still something there You know, even mm-hmm. as time passes And Jake Gyllenhaal becomes more bitter That this relationship isn't going the way that he wants it to But we're jumping all over And it's totally my fault uh, Because I, I wanted to talk about the structure of the film Before I dug into the nitty gritty But mm-hmm. can we jump back to the beginning yep. Because I have a hand acting <laughs> nomination Within the first ten minutes of the movie And it's when he th- Randy Quaid That's right <laughs> that's right and also best actor nomination sexiest cigarette best eye acting most most unhinged job most
1: drippy person
2: in the film real quick on randy quaid yeah this is the movie that drove him insane i don't know if you're up on randy quaid and where he is in 2020 i know he's totally he's nuts like a crazy old permit now he's he's psychotic This movie made him crazy uh, because he sued the producers of the film claiming that they knew it was going to be a blockbuster and make all this money and they cheated him out of his fair share. (laughs) Nobody thought this was going to be a blockbuster.
1: Easy, Cousin Eddie. You're going to do Christmas Vacation too. Yeah. He's so getting, this is Randy's- I think
2: what ultimately sent him over
0: the edge. <laughs> He's gonna bring Ang Lee over to to Jake Gyllenhaal's house, wrapped in Christmas
2: Christmas I've got, lights. I've got, got lots of fun little behind the scenes tidbits that I'll throw
0: in every once in a while. But I love that. So, uh, so speaking of genius performances, we're talking about Randy Quaid, of course, just the top top tier of acting. Honestly. I mean- perfectly
2: honest he's great in this he's movie. really good whole-
0: he's really good in this he as far as crazy people who act really well he's second only to gary Busey. i think honestly yeah performance in
1: this and days of thunder top two performances from <laughs> randy clay days of thunder um you look like a monkey fucking a football out there anyway
0: <laughs> we um, can't go down the days of thunder hole <laughs> so when so when Heath Ledger he or when Ennis first shows up at Randy Quaid's trailer of Greece, um, Ennis Delmar. Ennis Delmar, yeah. So it's Ennis Del Mar and Jack Twist. So when we first meet Ennis Delmar, he's smoking a cigarette and he leans mm-hmm. against. I. This is just. There's so many moments in here of tiny, minute acting brilliance, and this is the first one that I noticed when he he leans against. No, that's Jake or that's Jack, Jack oh, Twist. Oh yeah. Land. It's when uh, he's smoking a cigarette And he is done with his cigarette But rather than toss it He does a little bit of acting That shows us precisely how impoverished he is He takes a barely worth saving butt And he carefully flicks the cherry He flicks the cherry off the end And then he twists the tip To save that little bit of cigarette for later It is, and it's it's the the way that he does it, you know that he's done that. You immediately know that he's done that a thousand times, a thousand
4: times. He just mm-hmm. gently
0: tip 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 takes the cherry off so it stops smoking and then he pull you can even see him like pull the paper up a little to twist the tobacco in and save that last little bit of smoke in his pocket. Yep. hand acting nomination number one for the season. It's fucking phenomenal because it's not just a bit of acting; it's a bit of acting that builds character and yeah. advances plot.
1: And this is the thing with Heath Ledger: we can talk about it more. like there's very little, very little acting going on. He just becomes the person. He speaks differently, the way he walks, the way he does thing. It's not a, even a choice at that point, I don't think, for him. Yeah. It's just.
2: I, I was gonna say the first thing experience. I noticed about um heath in this movie is the way that his jaw is clenched the entire time he's talking yep. he barely opens his mouth the entire film yep. until he relaxes a little bit with uh with jack on the mountain like once they've really gotten to know each other better but boy right off the bat yeah he is he's talking through his teeth like this that's such a choice and i think it's uh you know kind of reflective of his sort of closed off nature, whether that was intentional or not. I mean, he is doing a very, very
0: specific thing with his speech pattern. The entire time
2: It's incredible
0: Well I I like I I know that you're A big trivia hound I Both of you are like Always way on More on your trivia game Than I am I'm always like I'm I'm always saying shit like Yeah Diana Osana's Never done anything In her fucking life (laughs) Meanwhile she's like Larry McMurtry's Ghostwriter And he's never Written a word You know Like that's about My level of research (laughs) But um One of the things that I found when I was researching this movie is this is Daniel day Lewis's favorite performance by another actor, is Heath Ledger as Ennis Del Mar.
2: I think it was a SAG award the following year to the memory of Heath Ledger and
0: specifically to... Oh, we're not there yet, but we're, the last scene of the movie. Yep, he specifically calls out the final scene. He says it's the most the most emotional <laughs> performance that he'd ever seen in his life or something like that, which is interesting because Heath Ledger, when people asked him if he was worried about playing a gay man being a straight man, he said, no, I'm not worried about playing a gay man. I'm worried that I'm not mature enough to do this role justice. That was yeah. his take on it was, yeah. I'm, I'm just worried that I'm going to fuck this up. And I think this film bears out that he didn't. That he he absolutely does. <laughs> there is, I w- certainly did not. I would say that this is a flawless performance, but and I'm not even sure that this is a slip. I, there is one moment where his accent slips because, of course, Heath Ledger is not uh, from he's an Wyoming. Aussie. Yeah, he's an Aussie, and I, that that Aussie accent comes out one time, and it's when uh, Alma asks for smokes, and he says they're in the top. Top left pocket of my blue shirt And I think for whatever reason cause it's a throw, Like it's a line that he doesn't he's not even on Screen for it it might even have been ADR Yeah he's
1: on, he's on his way out of the Door while he, they're gonna go fishing yeah
0: Right and dude I'm telling you I i Heard it this time I rewound it I, It might be a, a, an accent Slip it's the only chink in this Entire performance and it's minute Dude it's it, and it might not even be there I might but the, on the way out he's like it's in my top Pocket of my blue shirt and it like it for one Second it goes just to just a smidgen it, down on it goes
1: liverpool which is really weird because well, he's no. from australia i go
0: liverpool because <laughs> you No, know,
2: you might have you know what i i think the uh the issue is is that's actually intentional because i i watched the director's cut of the movie that scene is actually extended in the director's cut and mm. uh he actually says, "Oi, Elma, look at me, bloody bloody shit! And a fucking pack of smokes in there, you dumb bit.
0: Uh, That's yeah, not you know, a, smoke. a smoke. This is a smoke.
2: Smoke. God, I just watched all three Croc Dundee movies. Dog shit. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those. They are bad. I, I saw very bad. Uh, the the only... second
1: one's real problematic. In a few points, there they are. They are all very." I, I,
2: most boring and least engaging films i've ever seen in my life
0: well thanks connor we just lost all of australia awesome
2: uh anyway yeah, oh, I'm yeah. kidding. There is no director's cut because it doesn't need it because this film is perfect. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I feel like um, have you ever heard Have you ever heard um, people always ask Quentin Tarantino why he doesn't do director's cuts? And my favorite response ever. You can find the YouTube uh, or you can find a YouTube interview where he lays it out. And someone's like, "When are we going to get the like du- extended director's cut of Pulp Fiction? You shot apparently you shot way more. And he goes, "You're never going to see a director's cut of. Oh, well, here I'll do my Quentin Tarantino. You know, you're never going to see you're never going to see a director's cut of anything that I do because uh, what I wrote the movie the way. I wrote the movie one way and I shot I shot the movie and then the movie that I made Is the movie that I wanted to fucking make okay So the movie that you see is the movie that I wanted to fucking make And that's that's his thing he's like No one's telling me what to do you guys are Seeing what I want you to see All the shit that I cut I cut for a reason I feel like Ang Lee works the same way
2: Oh absolutely well and he He has earned that through You know things like Crouching Tiger and Yes And the Hulk yeah. Uh, yeah And the Hulk The only thing that we're
1: gonna call it like it is, man. The Hulk is like calling out Brothers Grimm as a Terry Gilliam. Like, I get it that it's funny, but it's not fucking funny because occasionally the studio will shit all over. The original cut of Hulk is supposedly like amazing, but it was one of those things like Brothers Grimm is my least favorite Gilliam movie because of the same goddamn thing. It'll be like having the, it's like only having the Love Conquers All version of Brazil. Right, right. Isn't Keith
0: Ledger in Brothers Grimm too?
1: Yes, he is. He absolutely is. And the
0: Imaginarium Dr. Parnassus. That's a great movie. Dude, that is yeah, a yeah. great movie. Bird and I just watched the Imaginarium Dr. Parnassus like, a couple of weeks you. ago. Honestly, oh, that, movie that movie is really good. I know some people yeah. kind of shit on it, but. It's a great movie. Oh, totally everybody shit on it. It's I... a great movie. May I have 30 Sorry. seconds to defend The Hulk, by the way? Because I keep bringing yeah. it up as a joke, but. But I actually do like Ang Lee's version of the Hulk. I, I like here, it better than the fucking piece of shit we got with Ed Norton. Yeah, the Ed Norton one was kind of rough. But let me, and obviously the version of the Hulk that appears in the Avengers is the one true film version of the Hulk. Ah, la, 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 la. But <laughs> here's why I think here's why I think that Ang Lee's Hulk movie is not necessarily bad. I don't think Ang Lee wanted to make a Hulk movie. That was like he oh, sure didn't. Let me read a bunch a- of Hulk comics. Let me let me keep it true to the to the character. Let me keep it true to- No, that's not what he was doing. I think what Ang Lee did was Ang Lee looked at the concept of the Hulk or this character and he was like, "I'm going to just fucking throw all of the shit away that I don't really care about. Like, oh, it's it was a comic book and I no, I don't care about that. I'm interested in the science. I'm interested in a guy who has to, like, control his... I think Ang Lee wanted to totally reimagine playing with that toy box. And that's mm-hmm. what he did. And that's why everyone that's who cool. wanted to see a Hulk movie and went and saw Ang Lee's, the Hulk was like, what in the actual fuck is this? <laughs> why
1: are we dealing with actual human emotions God, and, and what that a, means?
2: In Greek myth rather than a, a Hulk movie. <laughs> like, which is fine, but that's what you're going to get from Ang Lee. Don't go yes. to Ang Lee if you want, you know,
0: right. Captain America. And- let and let's do this briefly before we dive back into the nitty-gritty of broke back mountain just knowing that this will probably be a two-part episode all of a sudden um so ang lee crouching tiger hidden dragon or broke back mountain if you have to pick one as his masterpiece
1: okay well but i for for me it has to be crouching tiger hidden dra- dragon just because kung fu cinema is my favorite genre of all time and he that that is the the best that genre will ever look. Besides I mean Kurosawa is one thing, but if you're talking about like modern sure kung fu flying on wires, the mystery, the magic, the everything, and the stories that are woven in with that. It is perfect and it 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 exists on a whole other fucking level. I broke back is, is one of my favorite movies, but I think between the two, I have to go with Crouching Tiger a thousand
0: percent. Connor? I I love love. (laughs) You love love. Oh, so you're you're gonna go Brokeback Mountain? Yeah. Okay.
2: In uh, in full disclosure, I haven't seen Crouching Tiger in years, like more than a decade. So I'm sure I would love it even more on a rewatch. And I agree. Like it's you know, I watched clips from it more recently, and yeah, it's astounding. Like it's an absolute masterpiece. However, like Brokeback is, I would say in my top five films, period. Like sure. this is a movie where every time I watch it, I end up sobbing and it, it just cuts me so deeply mm-hmm. emotionally. And I don't know why, but it has every time I've watched it. And it just like absolutely wrecks me Yeah, uh, in the most beautiful and profound way, um, which I'm sure we'll get more into. I'm just surprised when we're talking about Ang Lee's masterpieces that you didn't add the, the ice storm to that list
0: the ice storm um, i've actually i've never I, I've, are you kidding is it a joke like i've
1: never seen this i, I have know. never heard of this i was movie. like
0: I'm, I'm writing it down i'm like ang lee's lost masterpiece <laughs> the ice storm oh god is, yeah.
2: no. that,
0: that. <laughs> god damn it so let's dive back into this particular masterpiece yes after the boys get hired i have another note and this If you haven't seen an Ang Lee movie in a while Or if the last one you saw was the Hulk Which I'll admit it's not the best movie ever I like it but it's not that good um, You forget If you've seen Crouching Tiger recently This will come as no surprise to you But he's another one of those Borderline Kubrekian or Kurosawa-esque directors yes. Who has such Meticulous micro control Of of performance and camera angle And the way things look And here's my favorite example of this in this film When they leave the office When they leave Randy Quaid's office Just to get away from the man No I'm kidding Just to go down to the bar to have a drink They walk in a long panning shot In absolutely perfect Lockstep mimicry of each other Heath Ledger walks behind Jake Gyllenhaal, and each of their footfalls lands precisely exactly in time with each other. The whole way. There is a lot of shit like that in this movie. And actually, so I used to get subscribe to this magazine called Wizard Magazine. It was all about comics. Oh, well, hell yeah. It's amazing. It doesn't exist anymore. But I remember when they were talking, they did like a behind-the-scenes, it's common, uh, Hulk movie, and they were, there was an interview with Eric Bana. And they said, what was the hardest part of working with Ang Lee? And he said, well, there's a scene where I eat chicken wings. On yes. screen And you see him eat Like one chicken wing Or two chicken wings Ang Lee shot that scene Over 47 times And Eric Bana had to eat Almost two pounds Of chicken wings That's insane Like he was v- Almost vomiting From eating chicken wings But Ang Lee was like You're, I'm not getting what I need From you eating This one single chicken wing So he ate Immense amounts of chicken wings for days, and that is what Ang Lee is about. Not, I mean, that's not all he's about, but like that's something that he does, and I think it's to his benefit as a filmmaker most of so. the time. Yeah. One last something note a- about the Hulk: Go
2: ahead. Uh, Ang Lee did motion capture for the Hulk himself. He was in the mocap suit for that movie. That Just explains so, so much. It really does, <laughs> guys. Because son he of a bitch, before, <laughs> and he didn't even bother trying to tell Eric Bana what to do. He just said, "You know what? Fuck it, I'll do it myself." <laughs> so there is a video on YouTube of Ang Lee, acclaimed Oscar-winning director,
0: in a mocap suit, going like, "Oh, Hulk smash!" Yeah, that sort of. Thing. I'm gonna control Z any praise that I gave for that movie. I'm <laughs> real sorry, listener. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm 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 ashamed
1: of what I said. I did not I
0: did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, um. So one, two, skip a few. The boys end up on the mountain because really once we get on up on Brokeback, the way that their relationship unfolds is incredible. And I so I the rabbit hole that I went down is an unusual one. I didn't look into. Like stuff about the movie, what I ended up looking into was the allegations of animal cruelty. Just because there's a there's the elk hunt is one of my favorite scenes in this movie when they're starving, they're sick of beans, but they're not getting the powdered milk, they're not getting their their vittles because,
2: right? Because he gets attacked by a bear after they get their drop, which is fucking terrifying,
1: (laughs) dude.
0: That that bear, not only the actual like bear scene, but just that stunt dude's fall on his face on rocks. I was watching that, I'm like. That guy took one for the team That horse fall is fucking awesome I'd have to rewatch it But that might even be worth Like a best stunt nomination it, it might be Actually Subtle. A lot of the rodeo Small, work in, Yeah it, it's a little one But there's a lot yeah. of rodeo work In here too That I think is pretty outstanding um, The fact that Jake Gyllenhaal's um, Successful bull riding I know I'm jumping ahead again but we'll come back sure. But his successful bull riding when he first Meets um, Anne Hathaway's character There's a there is an actual bull ride Because that's a continuous shot that first dude That's all live one take Gets yep. thrown off a bull and almost stomped to death And then Jake Gyllenhaal goes and it's all One shot so like how many times Did they have a dude whose direction was like Fall down and almost get, get killed <laughs>
1: Yeah <laughs> Luke, Luke Perry's up There preparing for nine and a half seconds Or whatever the fuck that stupid ass <laughs> movie was <laughs>
0: Oh, great rodeo movie! The lusty men or the lusty men. It's on Criterion Channel. I know that's a fucking dumb title. That's a great movie, man. It really is. Um, but once we get up on Brokeback, we get to this this elk hunt scene because the the early part of the relationship, I, I can't can you even call it a relationship early on? They barely talk to each other.
1: It is though because that's how every relationship starts. You you begin as strangers and then it, it, either you become. Either the thing happens or it doesn't, right? So I think sure. that absolutely it is. This is the beginning of that from 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 not the meat cute, but I mean, but kind of, It's kind
0: of the the meat cute because he's because because
1: Gyllenhaal's lounging up on the truck, staring at him in the windshield or in the rearview mirror while he's shaving. Like, dude,
0: some... that lean on the truck was Al Pacino in Cruising, just yeah. almost there, dude. He's like right on the edge of like that that truck lean is like. The directions like be a sexy cowboy in a sexy cowboy porno, and Jake Gyllenhaal's like, <laughs> he's like, got, got it, it, nailed it. <laughs> and like wow. and I both were sort of like, holy fuck, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ooh,
0: you get I'll, hot here. I'll tell you right <laughs> now, these are two gentlemen who look really good in plaid and and in denim. I'm they sorry, just look it's just
1: really, they are really really good. So all it's all time.
0: It's I'm just sorry. It's just what just it is.
2: Absolutely, yep. so hot. In
1: There's movie. nothing to be sorry about. These are very attractive humans.
0: Ugh. I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry. S- nope. You know what? S- I take it back. I'm not sorry. I'm fully celebratory. Hot. These are hot dudes.
2: And I would like to give them a little kiss.
0: Uh, just a, a little, like a note, tip of the nose, just a that sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Um, so we, I guess we should address really quickly. The 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 hole that I fell down was the hunting community. Holy shit, does the hunting community have thoughts on this fucking movie? I kid you not. How wild is that? Really? There are like 30 and 50 page deep Reddit threads. Just about the one fucking Mm. elk hunt in this movie. Hunter's popping on. Because they're
1: using a 30-30 or something? It doesn't have the kind of range? Like, what are they getting all pissed off about? I feel like
0: they're pretty close. No, they're
2: saying they actually killed the elk, which it looks like they didn't. I just Googled it. Apparently it was
0: shot with anesthetic, but that violates... um, now, animal handling standards. It does. Right. Most of what I found for this movie says that because they shot in Canada, at least partly because they knew that they were going to have to do some rough handling of animals. What I'd found, Connor, was that that, was, that elk was actually shot. I'm not sure if it was or not, but was I it? know for a fact that that sheep that's gutted and splayed open, that's yeah. a sheep that, that was, was killed. Real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks
2: like it. And yeah. the, the, the Was ki- it killed specifically for that, or was it just a dead sheep
0: they had already that... Now, see, you
2: know, had had recently I, I I'm no, asking, but you like, know.
0: Uh, well, but like, I actually don't know whether this was they killed a sheep on set and gutted it or they went to a farmer who was butchering mm-hmm. a sheep and got one of his butchered sheep. But really, if you think about it, it's the same thing Right, that's what I'm wondering, I don't know Either way, a sheep died And was gutted and was shot That happened, that's a dead sheep There's a coyote that definitely dies in this too Because there's a coyote tail and a pelt And some guts hanging off of a pole Yeah, yeah, A coyote scarecrow essentially Um, So a lot of people Are super, super pissed about Those things, but one of the things I was Most shocked about going through these Reddit holes, because obviously there's hunters on there But then people jump in just to Bitch about how the animals are being mistreated in this movie. I'm, dude, I used to watch hunting programs growing up where the whole point of the show was showing an animal yeah, getting shot. It's hunting. There's, <laughs>
1: there's, a, there's a very popular show on Netflix right now called Meat Eater, and it's a dude from Michigan. Steven and he goes, Yeah, he goes fucking shot. And he's shooting
2: deer and elk and caribou and shit on camera.
0: Right. Dropping also, them right if where the, they stand.
2: Did really shoot that elk? I'm certain that they probably donated it to be butchered and, you know, sent away. Exactly. How do you think hunting happens and works?
0: Right, right. So, uh, I don't know. One of the. So but one when, of
1: is, when you're doing it for a feature film, it does. I mean, there are rules for a reason sure. and you need right. to abide by them
0: yeah we talked we talked about this in season 1 carl when they shot um uh oh shit it's the it's the other movie by Sam Peckinpah the wild bunch and they shot the heads yeah. off the chickens everyone yep. freaked out cuz they really did that they just shot a bunch of chickens to death and it was it was fucked up but they then butchered those chickens and fed them to the cast and crew. What I was most surprised about, because we've been talking about the the most egregious, dead animals, gutted animals. Yes, that stuff's all right in your face. What most people yeah. actually have the most problem with is Jake Gyllenhaal sheep. dragging that sheep by its back legs. The wrangling of the sheep. I'm, again, maybe it's just because I'm He's from rustling. the- rustling. Yeah. How you think you wrangle a sheep? This, yeah. Yeah. This, this is not animal <laughs> cruelty. This is called working no, with animals. This is what how- What a
2: rancher does. That's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see anything either that that led me to believe animals were being abused. I'm like, like if my dog's running around and I'm trying to catch him, I'll grab him. I'm like, hey, right. So you, you know, you what know like,
1: would have get... happened to the sheep if the rancher hadn't have hoisted that sheep on his shoulders and carried him up the hill. It would have, drowned would have been left in the behind river. and drowned in the river. Yeah.
0: Right? This doesn't bother me that much. And what I what that got me thinking about was and it's something that you mentioned earlier, Connor, I think this might be a good place to tie it in is. The behaviors and and traditions or the, the normal working, living day of people in any given part of this country is not the same as other parts. I'm sure people in oh, Portland, absolutely. Oregon are sh- fucking shocked by what they <laughs> see happening, it, t- what ranching looks like in Wyoming. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important as a—honestly, like, 2020 really showed us some dividing lines in our country— Sure. I think it's important to understand that the way that you live your life and the things that you do and think are acceptable are absolutely not the, the day-to-day living conditions or situation of people in other parts of this country. Ranching and farming and like, oh, I eat chicken nuggets, but oh my god, I can't believe they killed a chicken. What, what are you eating? bro like some you have to you have to kill these things and bird pointed out real um the reason you grab a sheep by the back legs and drag it that way is if you drag it by the front legs then its back legs are like free to pull away from you or it can headbutt yeah. you or it can kick you if you drag it by the back <laughs> legs the sheep gives up So yeah, that was something that I thought was really interesting about this about this movie was that people seemed upset, not even so much with the couple of dead animals that we see, but just Mm -hmm. the way that rough handling,
2: right? Just just but again, working with animals. In this job, I don't, you know, I don't know any ranchers, but I can't imagine that are uh, there are ranchers that take pride in their work that are intentionally cruel to animals. They. I'm sure they're humane in everything they're doing, but you have to get the job done. Right. And if you have 400 sheep, you have to get into a pen. Right. And one is lagging behind. You're going to go grab that fucking sheep and drag it into the pen. Yes, like, exactly. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, Because you know what happens if and you the, don't? A yeah, is he's gonna get it. Well, now you don't. You get paid. I get paid for how also, many yeah, head of
1: sheep pay. go into that corral at the end of the of, yeah. of the bush or right. whatever. Well, so. it's the same right.
2: in the scene where the sheep get all and we're jumping ahead again, but that happens. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the scene where they get all mixed up, all the paint colors wash off, yep. and all the sheep get mixed up. I mean, you see, uh, I think it's uh, Hall in that scene, like kind of roughly handling the sheep, like he's. You know, shoving them aside and like looking for the paint and like yeah, grabbing that, the legs and stuff. The and one everything. that he's trying to find again. the paint
0: on is the one that he grabs by the back legs and drags right, right, to get right, back right, over on. with their little. But again, herd. yeah,
2: that's what's that's what's going to happen. That's what
0: actually happens. That's working with sheep. And I don't.
2: And yeah. again, I don't want to speak for the animals. And I understand some people are very sensitive about this, and of I course. understand that I don't like cruelty to animals either. But I don't think that sheep gave it a second thought. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, it yeah. Has a sheep okay, brain I'm it over here like, now. Month, month, month. Here I am. Like, it holy sheep.
4: It just, holy yeah. shit!
0: How'd I get over here? That <laughs> yeah. was crazy. Oh look, it was literally just over there, guys. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. How'd you guys when all I... get here? Oh wait, look, grass. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Problem. Yeah. What? End of situation. Yeah. Sheep I mean, butts. you,
2: Max. You have you have dogs. Like when I grab my little golden doodle and kind of hold his mouth open so I can brush his teeth. Right. He's pissed. He's not He's pissed, but I'm not hurting him. Yeah. Right, right. Well, have doing you what, ever doing? given it a may be dog a bath for me. I mean, God. yes. Oh, okay. I give a dog a bath about once a month because that's all I can handle. We do about because it's, once a I'm year. Because wrestling him the whole time. Yeah, like it is like a wrestling match.
1: Well, people and... pick and choose, right? It's like Shit. the whole fucking thing. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um so back to our back to our fellas. I just I wanted to quick I'd... quick last note on the yeah, sheep too. Go ahead. Not having anything to do with animal cruelty, but
2: um, the only sheep in this movie that were uh, real were the up close shots of sheep. The uh, the wide shots of sheep on the mountains, yeah, those were all percent CGI because really? Ang, Lee, <laughs> Ang Lee worked with sheep on the movie Sense and Sensibility, and he swore he would never work with sheep again after That's that movie. They were such a bitch to deal with. So I'm he's got he some so from some sheep. By it. So all of the wide shots you see of sheep on the mountain, that's like one sheep copy pasted a thousand times.
0: I'm really curious wow. then. So there's a shot in here that I think is absolutely beautiful. And it's the sea of sheep. Yes. Is yeah. that, is that CG hey, or is that an actual hey, totally guys, fake? All CG, yeah. That blows the my mind. The only real ones
2: are they got the up close shots of them, like going into the pen and stuff. Then sure. they had, they had a herd of sheep, but the really wide shot of all the 400 sheep or whatever. Right. right. Down, that's, yeah. oh
0: my
1: god yeah. that wow.
2: then wow. that is
0: an exceptional <laughs> cool. use of cg i was then. gonna say yeah. it's
1: blended exquisitely it's just That's, while mm. we're on that
0: real quick and then we sure. can get back to the actual plot but yeah just that shot in
2: particular and a lot of these shots it is stunning and telling about angley's filmmaking style how much um like where the horizon is in a lot of these shots of Wyoming, it's very low in the frame. And there's so many shots that are just wide open sky and then a little bit of land right at the bottom. Mm -hmm. They're really far back shots. It's like the polar
1: opposite of John Ford's America.
2: Yeah. Oh, right, where he's got all of the the buttes and the mountains and things like that. These are It's all the wide open skies of Wyoming. And then you've got just a little sliver of land at the bottom of the frame. Beautiful. Uh, And I just think that's so absolutely stunning and gorgeous to look at cuz you really see the expanse of what they're looking at from the top of brokeback mountain yes. looking out over the land. I mean it's
0: it's incredible. One of the things that I love most about what like what you're talking about putting the horizon low so we get lots of sky yeah. um in that same vein cuz that that's really showing how vast we like he, we get yeah. s- his use of wide and like super wide shots. Are outstanding. Oh, Some of my favorite shots are them going up the mountain on their on their horses. <laughs> but we are so far back, and they're such they're like a an
2: eagle eye view, right?
0: Like they barely really? matter in that frame, you know. And I think that's th- the point of using that shot. It's not just arbitrary to show us a beautiful no. mountain. It's these two people are insignificant in the vastness of this world, and that becomes really important once we get in, get off Brokeback Mountain, and out of their fishing trips and back into the real world. We get almost no wide shots, and it all becomes about the day to day of I got to make some money, and oh God, is are people going to figure out I'm gay, or how do I? we zoom in when we're in the real world? And that's when things get shitty. But as soon as we get out of society and civilization, you real all of the trappings fade away because we're not close enough to see him anymore we out in Mm -hmm. out in the wilderness we get some perspective literally and I fucking love that it's it's beautiful Um, it's one of those moments where the where cinematography reinforces the plot or reinforces the message or the symbol that we're working with there aren't many directors I mean actually we used to say that but now we've run into so many phenomenal directors but yeah, like, that is the one of the marks of an, of a great director to me, a capital G great director, is when you can show me something, and just by seeing it, I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's gorgeous. But you can also thank
2: Rodrigo Prieto for that, the cinematographer, yes. who does an absolutely incredible job on this film. Right. Uh, it, I mean, it's stunning. It's, the-
0: it's one of those where you feel like every element is they're all and not uh, not all just shining on their own but very synergistically working together to create mm-hmm. this this amazing totality. Yeah, um he's been
2: Scorsese's guy on his last few films uh Prieto. Like uh, most of his 2000s output. Sure. Uh,
0: Scorsese's been Prieto shooting it. Oh, Scorsese wow. he's the guy who works with Scorsese? He did both-
2: Wall Street, The Irishman, Silence, um, and he's doing his new one, The Killers of the Flower Moon, that's supposed to come out next year. So he's done a bunch with Scorsese.
0: I love seeing good eyes keep working, honestly. It makes for really pretty stuff to look at. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What did you think of, first of all, I love the bucket bath that we get up on, up on Brokeback that first time they're up there. Specifically, yep. I love Jack because – jack is the one who's motherfucker go for it if you've got the note you can say it
1: no dude i just love you so much that we just start (laughs) writing the same notes all the time
0: i know this is why we have guest hosts now Is carl and i are just like we're like a married couple more and more we just (laughs) just we keep bringing thirds into our podcast (laughs) right um no, but I, I love when uh, I, I love when Ennis is like, "You want some of this hot water?" And, you know, I'm no, I'm good. And he starts he washes his clothes, and then he starts to bathe. And I think there's two things going on in this scene that I really love. One is Ennis it very, very clearly, um, just as, just to try and give the listener, if you haven't seen this movie, you should really watch it. But um, Jack <laughs> is in the foreground, and Ennis is back by the tent about. I'm going to say seven or eight feet away, kind of crouched mm-hmm. down, huddled by a bucket and washing up. Bird at the... bath. Yeah, he's, he's birdbathing out of a bucket of, like, campfire warmed water. And Jack is sitting there working on, like, getting some coffee or some beans cooking. And Ennis is completely naked and very quickly he washes, like, his chest. But right away he starts washing his, his dick. So he's like, he's washing his genitals completely naked next to Jack. And Jack never one time looks at him.
1: That... He is, he's is doing the most incredible job actively not yes. looking at him. It,
0: it is. It blows
1: my fucking mind.
0: And the, I, that is such a subtle little performance thing to show that you are intentionally not looking somewhere non-verb like how fucking hard is that just work just
1: stirring stirring a pan of beans but conveying you're actively not looking at something yes it's dude it's it's an
0: outstanding little acting moment (laughs) oh connor go ahead sorry
2: oh no i'm I'm just agreeing i'm I'm just silently over here going it's incredible because there's so many little things like that i've got one i'll talk about later but the subtle acting moments in this movie, just I, I, microscopic facial yes. ticks or changes in expression or, well, mm-hmm. oh, yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: And, uh, yeah, I think I know the moments you're talking about, there's a lot going on in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm i mean yes, we'll, we'll later volumes later. of
0: yes I'll, information being I, I will try weird. to hold on I'll, I'll try not to jump around anymore i'll hold on to mine too Man. i have other examples of like that very <sighs> that very oh, subtle knife I to talk about it. yeah, I, yeah. I, I i'm assuming we all and have the same the, moment i mean as soon <laughs> as broke you start
1: talking back. about broke back there's one bit of performance that has that everyone is just waiting for us to talk about so
0: all right, let's talk well, about it because uh, it? Yeah, let's do it. So let's talk about the tent scene, the very the very first time that Ennis and Jack have sex with each other. Um yes. basically the setup is they get fucking hammered. They get shit housed around a fire. I love the moment where Ennis is like, "All right, I got to go get up with the sheep." And he starts to crawl away <laughs> from yep. the fire. You're like, "Buddy, you're not even on your Y'all feet. I'm fucking I don't, wasted. I don't yeah. think <laughs> Um, So he curls up by the fire with the world's thinnest blanket. It's made out of Kleenex, I'm fairly certain.
1: He's barely wrapped in tissue paper Yep, uh, (laughs) next to a dying fire, or a dead fire.
0: Yeah, it's down to embers, and we can hear him like dying of hypothermia, basically. So so Jack, and I I don't think we made clear, in case people haven't seen this, early on, in the early parts of this movie, it's pretty clear from the get-go that Jack is sexually interested in Ennis, but we get... Basically, no indication that Ennis has any interest back. It's it he seems is so
1: close. Him, everything well, is so tight. dropping
2: stuff like I've got the the short story just printed right here, I'm very and glad. The, the dialogue. You may be a sinner, but him. I ain't,
1: ain't yet had feet. the opportunity. Is yeah, one of my favorite fucking read
2: read lines. Real quick, Jack keeps dropping things like he's talking about. Uh, so the the setup is Jack has to go out with the sheep and stay with them because of the coyotes, and Ennis has to stay back in camp to right. cook breakfast, dinner. Um, and so they're separated every night. Right. And Jack keeps talking about, um, you know, Joe Aguirre's got no right to make me do this, go out there and sleep with the sheep. He wants to be back in the camp. He's talking about the pup tent that smells like cat piss or worse um, yeah, or worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right out of the book too. Um, and so you get the idea that he's making excuses to try and stay in camp. Right. Um, and, and Ennis keeps offering, he says, I'll, you know, tell you what I'll, uh, I'm happy to switch with you. You know, he, he just keeps saying that I think he says it twice or maybe three times says like, I'm happy to switch. And, and then uh, Jack kind of backs off a little bit and, and that, but then keeps complaining and it's like, well, I don't actually want to switch. I want to come be in the camp with you. Well, there's, there's a you really, know, you get that, indication that he's trying to maneuver the conversation
0: the ge- so that yeah. they both
2: end up in camp.
0: I think that the Geary line actually has a really interesting sort of um, like subtext to it, where he says Geary Geary doesn't have the or whatever the line is. It's something like, "Yeah." Well, in the movie, it's something uh, Geary doesn't have or Geary Geary shouldn't be allowed to make me do something that's against the rules or illegal or something like that. Where he he points out that Geary is having him sleep out with the herd, even though the Park Service does not allow you to do that, and he right. calls that out. It He's is- like, yeah. "But I, I think that it's interesting that in 1963 Free. I'm not I'm not positive But I'm I'm fairly certain That what they their homosexual Relationship is technically a crime At this point it is. it's yeah mm-hmm. uh, Under United States sodomy laws This is illegal yeah. so mm-hmm. I, I love the sort of like Double layer of that specific Line where he's calling out like It's against the rules it's 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 Wrong it's unlawful I shouldn't have to do this You know he can't make me do this but the Purpose of that line is To set himself up to Basically get with Ennis which I, I really mm-hmm. Like that that it's that subtle knife That we're talking about again where there's There's lots of other stuff there's a Ton of cables running right Under the surface of this yeah for as mm-hmm. Relaxed as this movie feels Sparse dialogue broad Strokes broad spaces it, It's really Tense and tight for a lot of the film It's really cool yeah. it creates an interesting Tension yeah
2: much like the tension Of hiding a secret about yourself Right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mean, it, it, this overarching feeling throughout the movie of these men are not allowed to be who they truly are or love who they yep. truly love, whatever yep. that may be. Right. They're always hiding something and they're always keeping something locked up deep inside. And that's the tension, especially like in Heath's jaw and everything, you know, sure. he's like physically tense when he
0: talks. Speaking of Heath's jaw and him talking, there is one scene right before it's right before the tent scene that I do want to talk about quick. And it's the, My dad, he was a fine roper. Didn't rodeo much. He thought rodeo cowboys was all fuck-ups. I love that. Because after (laughs) he says he thought rodeo cowboys was all fuck-ups, he takes a drink of his coffee and his eyes, like, it's the most beautiful little roll up from his coffee mug over, like, the rim of the coffee mug to stare directly at Jack. And it... It's, it's the, a very sly move And I also mm-hmm. think it's kind of a I feel like it's kind of a sexy one It's got a it little it's a flirt for sure it's Definitely a flirt. That to me yeah, was the first moment that, uh-huh. that scene is the first moment to me Where Ennis kind of reciprocates Some of that affection or warmth For the first time yeah. Especially when Jack gets up And he does his like cowboy You know his he And he trips and falls And Ennis looks over and he goes Seems like my yep. daddy was right
2: Yep <laughs> oh he's definitely flirting but it is so so subtle in that way that he's doing the whole performance right and uh, it's barely escaping his mouth but yeah it seems like my daddy was right
0: well and we <laughs> were talking about that the way that he's talking too. and jack points out he's like he goes Ennis, that is the most you've said in two weeks or two months or whatever and, he, and uh and well that's
1: the most i've spoken a year yeah
0: yeah that's the most i've spoken a year and the way that he says it it's not a joke the nope, way that he said it's 1000% it, serious.
1: <laughs> it's insane.
0: It's outstanding. And then we get so then what we end up with is is Ennis sleeping out by a fire that's gone out. A storm is uh, I think then like one of the next scenes is a big storm. So it's pretty late. In, it's not quite late in the season, but we're starting to get cold weather. We're starting to get the threat of snow and Jack sticks his head out the tent and says you're going to freeze to death out there, you know, quit dying so loud or whatever and come on in here and, and get warm. And he comes in, b- bundles up, and they kind of like spoon each other for heat, which, you know, totally divorced from the gay cowboy romance we're about to get. Which, Connor, when you recommended – when we were talking about building this, this list for <laughs> this first month of yours – Two of my top five romances My number one and number two romances Are are here Brokeback Mountain used to be my number one um, It's now my number It might be my number one again But I, as of right now I think it's my number two And in the last one we're going to do for the month Is my mm-hmm. favorite romance Wow! So okay. one of the reasons that I love this movie so much Is biz- bizarrely Maybe not bizarrely I got to give these actors more credit This is to me one of the most believable f- this is some of the best physical chemistry I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Oh my god. In yeah. in like Absolutely. in like a love scene or a sex scene or whatever you want to call it. I these two men have so much romantic and sexual chemistry on screen. It's unbelievable. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. And the amount of trust between the actors themselves as well. It's just there's yeah. so much going on that you a lot of it is just incalculable as far as performance aspect goes. It's just so much so much happening, right? And, it, it's and the ferocity, indescribable. The, yes,
0: the 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 heat, the the temperature. It honestly, it goes right back to that that quote, which will come later in the movie, which is "There ain't no rains on this one." Mm-hmm. This is this is just a gas flame turned all the way up, and that actually truly comes across in the chemistry of these two men to the point where it's not this scene, but later on when they reunite and kiss. Keith Ledger almost broke Jake Gyllenhaal's nose with his face because he kissed him. When so they're hard.
2: outside of the house, um when he's with mm-hmm. Elma, and the kids, and oh he's the awesome.
1: first time that they reunite yes. after. Oh, yeah. oh my God, out. that's so incredible. Um,
2: just FYI, when we're when we're talking about their acting and yeah. how just insane their chemistry is, Uh they were twenty four and twenty five when they filmed this. Holy Gyllenhaal shit! Gyllenhaal was twenty four and Ledger was twenty five. You know what? Man? I'm 31, and I couldn't have done that six no. years ago. <laughs> like, just I'm not I mean, mature Carl, enough. I would have been, I would joke. have been
1: making jokes. I would have been fucking <laughs> who, who I was at 24 and 25.
2: The depth, like I, I love acting, Carl. We've done shows together. Yep. But, like, I'm not that good of an actor. To think I know, that I never will years be. ago, when I was, or, or six years ago, when I was 25, right. to, to just get to that depth of character, to fully inhabit those characters in such a way like I did a show I guess two years ago now called fun home where I had to play a gay character in the show Ooh, sorry and it was yeah it was a beautiful show I loved it I was in it with Carl's sister Sarah the hermit Sarah Hartley yes as she referred to. <laughs> she's got to figure um, it out and man. that was that was a challenge for me not because I was playing a gay character which I had no problem with but because it was the you know one of the first times as an actor where I've had to like really deeply inhabit a character that was nothing like anything that I can relate to in my, in my normal life. And I wanted to do it justice and I wanted to get into that character so much that it was believable on stage. Like I didn't just want to be, you know, acting so to speak. I just sure. did air quality. But it was really difficult for me because I I wanted to get to the point where I felt passion for the guy on stage that I was supposed to be with. And And I think I ultimately got to that point, but it was a real challenge for me, again, not because I don't like men or anything like that, but just because... To get to that depth of feeling where the, the time that the show was set was uh what was it, Carl the 70s or something? It yeah. was sort of a similar time period for a lot of uh the show. It was the, and, it's
1: Allison Bechtel's biography. So right.
2: Yeah. Yes, if you're not familiar with Fun Home, please look it up. It's a absolutely brilliant show, one of the best shows I've ever been a part of and and had the honor to do. But it's a very similar time period as this movie where I felt like when I was playing this character, I had to both inhabit the character of a gay man, but also a gay man who is in a time period where he's not allowed to be a gay man. And that was such a a challenge for me to try and get into that mindset of this is who I am as a character, but also I'm not allowed to be this. So I have to be very careful in what I'm doing and who I'm doing it around on stage. And it's just, it's a fascinating thing. So sorry for the, the, you know it's
1: incredible information here and and time. just to have it on record your performance was uh incredible stellar oh, wow. uh, it, it's very I, I, I paid for i paid my ticket five times when i could have been comp to see show.
2: the entire ensemble of that show was incredible yeah. it's one of the best things i've ever done but um yeah anyway just just so all that having been said i did that when i was 29 to do something like that when you're 24 and 25 and they go far beyond anything I did right. in that show in this movie. And they are so incredibly believable in the chemistry and the love and affection and heartbreak and hurt that they feel towards one another. Uh, it, it's just, it's, oh my God. it's the, it's the trying
1: to figure out who they are part too, yeah. when they're not together, that's equally impressive where you can tell when the one is thinking about the other. Right, with the, with no words being said. Yes, it's just the most incredibly honest and.
2: it's the That's why I keep saying
1: it's not a. It doesn't feel like performance. It just feels yeah. like two living, breathing humans. That it's. I almost would believe that the the two of them, Heath Ledger and and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, had fallen in love with each other, and we're seeing that. I think occur. you. Have it, it's yeah. When you're
2: that deep in a character like that. Yeah. I, I think. Even in in real life, you have to fall in love with your co star a little bit to get, absolutely. When you're doing to get the truth like in the performance, that.
1: you do kind of have to go there. Yeah, right.
2: when you when, and and it's so so deep into that emotion, and both both the emotion of love and the repression of the era that well, they mm-hmm. had to get. In that is such a fine line to thread. Uh, it's um,
0: maybe strangely, yeah. but in real life, he this is the film where Heath Ledger and Michelle Williams. Fell in right. love with each yeah. other. They had <laughs> his a, wife in the movie. Yeah, right. So they had a baby, and Jake Gyllenhaal is that baby's godfather. Yep. like that is the That's intensity and depth of relationships that were formed on this. And I think, they they became best fucking friends. Yeah, like, how incredible is that? I think it's interesting that you bring up uh, that you were bringing up sort of like the 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 difficulty of going to that place and really bringing honesty to it, rather than just like. Um. Okay. How can I parody this, or how can I make it seem like? But how do you get there and go there? And I think that a lot of people talk about how you know, like, oh, it's so hard to have like sexual chemistry with your with your um like coworker, essentially, as an actor. I think the harder thing, because obviously they have such chemistry in the sex scene in the in the tent. But what I think the the more difficult thing for any actor really is the the love. Genuinely yeah. believing that these two men Love each other profoundly And that comes across in body language The way Just the way they look at each other Is the way that like New spouses mm. look at each other Like that honeymoon full bore love and then by the end of the film after that honey yep. that passionate honeymoon phase with that couple of high altitude fucks a year after after the sex is kind of faded out of the film and faded out of the equation of course it's implied but really we stop lingering on the 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 gay cowboy sex pretty early the the shocking part of this movie mm-hmm. is like two scenes and the rest of what, what I think made made the people who were uncomfortable with this movie uncomfortable was watching two men fall in love yeah, yes it's
2: not sex it's intimacy it's the, yes an old beautifully said by the end of the film who have just spent 20 years of their life you know not getting to be together but being together when they can and yeah there's such a deep and prolonged intimacy between them where they know each other's every move like the back of their hand i i started to say this earlier but it's the when he, uh Ennis picks up the postcard from Jack. It's that little smile he gives, mm-hmm. and you never see a smile like that when he's with Alma. Right. At any point, you you know, I think he smiles once or twice with Alma, but it's not the same smile. Yeah. I right. mean, uh, that's you know, crazy
1: because I think he does love her, but in a completely he different
2: way. Does, but it's a totally different way. That's maybe I, I don't know if now is the time to go down this road, but since well, we keep calling it,
0: I want to uh, linger. On, I want to yeah. stay with the tent for a while, just for a bit, because I. <laughs> One of the things that I most love about the sex, this first sex scene in the tent is I feel like a lot of times sex scenes in movies are the director. Everyone's embarrassed. Yes, it's awkward. I mean, you have to think about this, too. This is not just two dudes in a tent. This is two dudes and the director and the camera guy and the sound guy and the lighting guy and both of their girlfriends were present. Jake Gyllenhaal Mm -hmm. and Heath Ledger's girlfriends were both present for the filming of the sex scene you have you have you're doing this and like 15 20 people are right there right there with you and one of those mm-hmm. people at least one of those people is like a foot away from you or a couple feet away from you so you got to think about all that and then still bring that chemistry to your performance that's insanely hard just just that is hard but a lot of times i feel like everyone's embarrassed so the director just goes uh all right you guys do the get get right. in at it you know like you
1: it, get tommy was so and
0: yeah yeah like i feel like a lot of times, belly button sex right a lot of times the sex scene i feel like is just all right now f- fake sex and we'll film it and let's just get this yeah, done you
2: climb on top and then we'll cut to the after sex right like
0: right exactly and with this one or it's just a lot of like let's make out let's and then some grinding now we're gonna shoot the grinding okay now we're gonna shoot the boob grab or whatever you're doing, with Ang Lee, it's that same thing of like, all right, I need you guys to walk to the bar, but we're going to shoot it 50 times so I can get you walking in perfect unison in lockstep. Mm-hmm. I think that the, this this sex scene is such a powerful metaphor for these characters and what they're feeling being... Comp- the entire performance is entirely physical because there is mm-hmm. almost no dialogue. The first... like. I think there's like the it's like mumbled, sleepy, like "What are you doing?" "What the fuck?" "What are you doing?" uh, And that's it. That's all you get in the grunt. And yet, this and it's not long either. I feel like people when I talk to people about this, they're like, "God, that sex scene! It just goes on forever." It's like thirty seconds, not even. It's, but it's a scene that has talk about brilliant filmmaking. It's a scene that has rising action, a twist, climax, and a denouement. All in 30 seconds All entirely physical Um, So one of my favorite things Is how we And we see Heath Ledger Do this later I'm sorry We see Ennis do this later Oh by the way That little slip Brief bit of trivia Annie Prohl Gave each of them A signed copy Of this short story When she And she did You know Wrote a little note She said Mm -hmm. To Jake Jake Hall. But when she did the one For Heath Ledger She wrote to Ennis And didn't realize Until the day before She gave it to him That she'd accidentally huh. Written the character name She decided to leave it Because he had completely And fully embodied Holy Everything she imagined wow. For that character So That's incredible But really quickly We're gonna see Ennis do this again later And I will re- I'll bring it back up Because I noted it twice But The way that they Grapple with each other And wrestle Yeah Perfectly Mirrors that inner conflict Of them sort of grappling With their identities which they've had mm-hmm. To keep totally suppressed at this point In history um, And this thing that's coming between them g- Grappling with their feelings Literally wrestling with whether or not This is going to happen Because I could mm-hmm. at any moment We actually see them hit each other later they, One no, person yeah. could have thrown a punch And this would have been done And you see that moment Come and go because there's a moment where it looks like Ennis is going to throw a punch. Yep. And, but he doesn't. And you, you see that tension just in the physical performance. You know, where he's like, we're, we're fighting with each other. And then they don't even necessarily, it doesn't go from like grappling into like, let's melt into each other's arms and now we're going to cue the strings. It's not that. It's, all right, I'm not going to hit you. Mm-hmm. But I can't look this in the eye yet. So he flips Jake Gyllenhaal over onto all fours, so he doesn't have to look at him, and he doesn't have to, literally, he doesn't have to face what he's doing. He doesn't have to face his desires. He mm-hmm. he sort of reduces. I'm not, and I'm not saying that he's reducing this to simple lust or like, all right, well, we're on a hill, you know, any port in a storm. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he wants what he wants, but he's too ashamed or cannot yet. Look it in the eye, yeah. Or look I, him uh, in the eye. You know what I mean? I, I thought
2: about this uh, comparing and contrasting the. So I, I think we get two uh, two sex scenes between the two men, and the the first and second sex scenes are entirely different in their presentation. And they, yes. the note I have, the first one is rough, angry, confused, and somewhat unwilling. I don't know about angry, one, but okay.
0: What's oh, that? You I, don't I, I don't know about angry, but no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just. I just did because I'm an asshole. I think, <laughs> I
2: think
0: no, I was going to say, I think initially Ennis is is
2: angry when he's, you know, woken up. And yes, you know, he does that. What the fuck? You know, that, right, that's yeah, right. yeah I don't mean the actual sex itself. I mean the scene and the, the presentation of it.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> I <laughs> retract my statement and I no, no, apologize once again to Diana Osana. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Um, the second one is just presented totally differently. It's tender, loving, sweet and entirely willing they both want this more than anything in the world and it's been so long um and just the just the contrast between those two it's like you're saying it's it's just they've totally you know they've fallen right back into it again by the time they get to that mm-hmm. second sex scene but well, that it, first so it's confused they they don't know what they're doing um
0: the second sex scene is only about t- i want to say one or two days later right yeah, yeah, so like, and but it's
2: entirely different in its presentation.
0: I'm gonna. I w- Let's. I would love to jump immediately into the second sex scene. Can I put? Oh a, no, no. A,
2: a, you go back to this one. That's fine. I, I just had that note. About, I,
0: I don't really have anything else for the tent. Um, for for the first one, for that first sex scene in the dark. That's another big distinction too. Is the first one cold? It's dark. There is no fire. This is sort mm-hmm. of like a primal thing. It it almost feels. It almost feels animalistic Now, animalistic is the wrong word Wild no. Wild is the word I'm looking for They're on a mountain They are far from civilization This feels like reverting to our their most primal selves The second one has And, and there's no score at all in the first one right. The second presentation of the sex scene Wait, before I get there I really do want to put something in between the two This is where the sheep shows up The dead sheep Is in between these two sex scenes, and I think this is very important. We get Ennis and Jack Jack have they have sex in the dark, no score. It's very primal, it's very passionate. Um, I think I honestly think violent is not too strong a word for it, and not and not in that absolutely is violent. Yep, not in a negatively connoted abusive way, but it is just
2: in a two very strong men going at it. Yes, yes, damn
0: bursting (laughs) violent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah, so we violent. get we get a really short moment of Ennis waking up, hungover as fuck, obviously. Remember he was shithoused when this all happened. But he wakes up and he kinda like, ugh, and he looks down and the the stoicism of his performance where he We don't get and it's Heath Ledger so of course We're expecting this high level of genius But he doesn't look down at Jack and go Oh Oh. god what did I do Or like I'm so uh, I can't believe it's none of that He just looks down at Jack Nothing on his face He. This is him like last night He opened up a lot of Stuff that had been closed for a long time And right now he's looking down At Jack and he's closing those shutters down Again Yep it's beautiful. It's a great that moment. That
1: jacket's getting buttoned right back up again. Yes.
0: When he and he gets his pants back up and he gets his belt bu- like immediately. Um yep. so he gets on the on the horse and he goes uh uh Jack says like dinner at 7 or whatever and Ennis says nothing and just rides off to the sheep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important. It's it's heartbreaking but it is also very beautiful that the next thing that we see is that gut that sheep in the morning And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Now this is a dead animal that's been cut open But I, I stand by my note description Which is the grotesquely sexual revelation Of the sheep in the morning Gutted and splayed Because that sheep is on its back With its hind legs ripped wide open It is one of the most I, it is, There's no other word for it It is completely right. sexual it's a dead animal, but that is a completely sexual image that we're seeing there. And it's confrontational. It's in your face. Last night, Ennis could not look at what he was doing, and this is the filmmaker and nature making him look. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, this is a sheep. He said earlier, I have not had the... You know, uh, you might have sinned, but I've not yet had the pleasure. Well, mm-hmm. in Christianity, which the both of these men are kind of working in, one is a Methodist and one is a... I can't remember the other oh one. Oh my
4: god! Yeah,
0: but oh, uh,
2: Pentecostal, Pente- Yeah, Pentecostal. He, he makes specific reference to it when he talks about the um, his upbringing
0: and right. What What's the Pentecost? The Pentecost is well, I don't know what the Pentecost is. My mom never actually told us. Yeah, so, but they're they both come from a Judeo Christian background. They're both in maybe in name only. Christians essentially, like when they're when they talk about God, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, they're church they're going Christians, and right?
2: In a church later, they I think they both do. They, yeah, they're church going good. Yeah, like
0: that, well, Ennis doesn't want to go to those for that fire and brimstone crowd, but I think it. I don't think it's any accident that they start by tending a flock, tending sheep, yeah. and you know, like the lamb is the symbol of innocence and the. What we see that one of the sheep has or one of the flock in this moment, one of the flock has gone astray and been killed. This is such a profound metaphor, no dialogue, no explanation. It's ten it's like what? a minute in between the the waking up in the morning and this mm-hmm. static shot of a dead sheep, and then we're back in camp and then the next night we get them on the hill and but dude, to to go from from a tent sex scene to a gutted, splayed sheep. That's bold filmmaking.
2: Absolutely.
0: it's it's. This is so powerful. I, and I, the
2: implication is you two were in the tent last night when one of you should have been tending the sheep. Yes. And this is yeah. the result of your actions last night. And right. It, and it can be interpreted in multiple ways, both as a, a, rep- a sexual representation, but also as a representation of this is the fear this is
1: what happens. yes
2: but, and also as they reference later and as we know way down the line later things die when you engage mm-hmm. in this sort of activity right if you do this in the wrong as ennis says if we get if this thing grabs hold of us in the wrong place at the wrong time we're dead we're dead we're dead
0: yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing line um yeah yeah oh do you have something carl or was that just oh, a, no, it was, was just, that just a breath go, of <laughs> god damn what a <laughs> profound <sighs> film
1: <laughs> too bad they weren't raised Episcopalian because that's a very uh open and
0: yeah <laughs> uh yeah episcopalian seriously
1: though that's what Episcopalians one of the first um churches to um to welcome the gay community as well as having like gay uh, um, uh, priests uh, in their in, the, in church
0: there's another one too isn't Christian Science is one of the ones that allows women to be um priests mm-hmm. as well i, believe so. I don't I believe know if they're so. called priests in that but what i don't know man I'm, i try and stay as far away i couldn't
1: remember i was raised episcopalian i can't fucking remember i know there's a rectory dude and <laughs>
2: <laughs> tell me more carl all hot. oh my hey, god you should,
1: where the, it's where the priest lived in the rectory
0: in yeah rectory, but the rectory. that's probably why though because that's where don't do it it's season four i'm trying to be better don't make me make these jokes (laughs) i never i I know that i was gonna be better (laughs) that's true yeah by all means (laughs) dive in my friend (laughs) make me look good um so
2: i was gonna say shout out to central united methodist church in traverse city who uh is a methodist church but they have both a female pastor and have performed gay weddings there i believe they broke off from the greater methodist church in the great schism of whether or not we're gonna absolutely fan freaking task 2020
0: shout shout out all right um so now that we've got like a bunch of churches and we just talked about like a local church you want to talk about the second time these two dudes fuck because dude this second sex scene is that first sex scene is i would say shocking it's definitely like very erotic in its in its like power and it's a and it's mm-hmm. violence i like that word for that one this sex scene is just raw sexiness dude this is so, and it's so loving i it's, should it's, mm-hmm. i'm I they're not
2: fully in love yet but they, they it is i mean
0: heading down the primrose it's in
1: the air baby it them. is in the air yes
0: yeah. as okay as a even even as A totally straight man. That's just—it's just how I line up. That's just me. I. This scene is so fucking sexy. I can barely deal with it, and it's just entirely the perform. Um, No, it's not just entirely because it's also really well shot. It's beautifully scored, and uh, there is also for sure direction going on because the. Mm -hmm. But dude, the performance and the chemistry between these two dudes is insanity
2: hey man this movie shifted my kinsey score
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't have a kinsey greatest, score
2: greatest compliment i could give it
1: i mean yeah maybe pan, that pansexuals might sexuals don't have a, a, a kinsey score you have just what got in huh did you say pansexuals i yeah didn't pan, pansexuals that. don't have a kinsey score it's just like to fuck Every, like cat- no, it's, so pants. let me ex- let me explain it for those of you I, that are I, I, not I aware please. what that is the floor. So it's different from being bisexual in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of bisexual people do prefer one over the other. There's a bit of a scale there where the pansexual like myself, you don't really see gender as a part of the equation. Uh, it's uh, the way I like to, to phrase it is it's all about the person and not the parts. It doesn't matter what the parts are. Yeah. And I can find anything attractive or any person attractive, just depending on my emotional connection to that person will amplify that. If that's the way that I uh, like Danielle, for example, like I am absolutely in love with my wife and very attracted to her sexually because I love her
2: to be fair, Carl. I'm also very attracted sexually to your wife. So thank you. Most people are (laughs) (laughs) so, but that's
1: just well.
0: That's why, like, I was raised Catholic, oh so I'm. I just I can't ever admit that. And when she comes around with bosoms <laughs> galore, I ha- mean that's I, that kind of e- bosoms. I have spent three years finding new parts of my walls to look at when Danielle comes <laughs> over, just because of my upbringing. I hope I do yep. up one day to get all the Catholic scrubbed off of me, so I can when tell we Danielle. Get these-
1: when do we get these curtains bird they came with the house right oh I,
0: and she's yeah and birds oh! like these curtains are disgusting i hate them uh can we rip these blinds down and i'm like not <laughs> until danielle leaves because meanwhile,
1: meanwhile bird has her face buried in my wife's chest right because so, bird mean, was know.
2: not raised
0: catholic man she gets she gets to like danielle's boobs i have <laughs> to feel bad about it's my feelings a very weird Actually,
2: situation
1: when danielle's
0: we, when boobs are for everyone, everyone. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know that. All right, it's season four. I think I can finally say it. <laughs> she has got great boobs. He does. She's just freeing yeah, us for this stuff. <laughs> um, you know who else? <laughs> no, I mean, I, they don't have great boobs, to be honest. They're just dude boobs, and I've seen so many that I'm disenchanted with them. But can we? Do you mind if we jump back to the two dudes? No. Okay. Well, hey, hold on. Yes. Uh, sorry. While no, while we're ahead. on the subject,
2: actually, the. I'm been looking for the time to jump into this, and maybe this is it now. Since we're talking about, since Carl just gave his treatise on pansexuality, yes, sure. Um, and and we keep referring to this as the gay cowboy movie, as as people refer. It really to isn't, though. These men are not gay. No, they're uh, first. I I don't think we should put a label on them. But if you're putting anything on them, sure. I think they'd be bisexual because they both. I would think so. Very much love their wives, especially oh, when God. they first. So glad you're bringing this up because the- there's a very oh, sexual scene. Um We're not quite there yet, but between Jack and Lorene, right, in the
0: back of that pickup. Yep. Who oh, boy, that's, that's hot awesome. and heavy. I that, mean, yep. yeah, that's a, that's a great scene. I don't care if you go fast or slow. I just like the direction you're headed. Yeah, Absolutely. that is a you're and ex- Absolutely, and he's not lying. He's not thinking no, of that
1: at all. He went, at that
2: moment. He's thinking of Lorreen. and right. same with him. Yeah. Like he and Alma, it's a different relationship, but yes. these so men, a, sorry, no,
1: go ahead. I, I don't know,
2: I'm going to say Like, I think this was unfairly written off as the quote unquote gay cowboy, cowboy movie. movie, but Absolutely. it is, so, there's so much more nuance to it than right. that. And I really don't think you can give these men a label of gay or straight or bisexual <laughs> or anything like that. It's, much in the way you're talking about Carl, they yes. fall in love with people, and they have fallen yep. in love with their wives in one context, but they're in love with each other in a totally different context, and I don't think it, it has anything to do with their gender. Yep,
1: That's and the thing that, that, that I think that, that 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 the world would would uh, take a take note of is when it comes to the gay cowboy movie. Well, are they bi? Are they straight? Are they pan? It, they are the two people that are in the relationship, and the only people whose business of their sexuality are the two of them. It's not on us to to decide what their sexuality is, right? That or to define it. In, nobody's business but ours. Exactly, yeah. and it's like it, it's like trying to ask someone that's in a relationship, like a trans person, what the sex is like, right? That's like me asking you no, what the I, sex I, is like with your, your wife. It's no one's fucking business. Feel free
0: to ask me no. at any time how I the will. sex is in yes. my relationship.
1: I mean, I, the only reason I don't is because I know I'll get a 30-page dissertation.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pictures. I think one, of the, <laughs> one of the major issues, though, with our traditionally puritanical American yes. society is, and we could go down a whole road on this, but just is that is this obsessive need to label people yes Say yes. okay. she's gay he's straight uh, i just hit my microphone uh, you know etc et like you are this you are this you are that you're not this you are definitely that you might be this why <laughs> i well it makes us feel better about the that. world we live in we need to have things
1: in little compartments and boxes to make sense of things and it gets overwrought and we do it too much like it's Sometimes it's okay to live in the chaos and not know everything. That's fine. It's okay. I think we need to be more comfortable with that, not knowing everything.
2: And the only people's business who it is, is whoever you're in the relationship with. Absolutely. Whatever that relationship
1: Absolutely. And, I
2: think, and I think especially in the year 2005 of our Lord, nobody could even conceive of... It, it was so hard for people to even... Like, conceive of the gay movie, let alone like a movie with no defined sexuality. Right. That's just, you know.
1: Well, I don't get it. Why does he have a wife now and having sex with a girl? Wasn't he just. Having sex right. with a man, it, a, it was
2: just
0: utterly baffling. Uh, yeah, in people. 2005, a sexual spectrum was way beyond the, the general mm-hmm. grasp, I think. Oh, absolutely. Dude, honestly, even like a simple binary, like straight or gay, some people were struggling right. with in mm-hmm. 2005. Yes. So. Which is fascinating because, as I just referenced, the the Kinsey scale has right. been around
2: since, what, the 60s, I think? Yeah, or mid-60s, 60s, you, I, I think, yeah. His, his work, uh, you, Alfred Kinsey.
0: Do you know off the top of your head, Connor? Because you are just a font of information about <laughs> film projects. Do you happen to know what that t? Te- there's a TV series based on that guy and his or that. Yeah, that guy and his work. And it
2: well, there's Masters of Sex, which was based on. Um, I forget their last name was Masters. Uh, there was a movie with Liam Neeson though in I believe 2004. Called Kinsey. Is that the one? Kinsey. It was called Kinsey with Liam Neeson. Yep. Yep. Right. But I think it was 2004, the year before this movie came out, which is very
0: interesting.
2: It should have been a Um, primer for people to watch this movie. Right. It was till uh, Bill Condon, 2004, Kinsey. There, there Um, is
0: one thing that I want. I mean, obviously, I'm not even remotely as qualified as you, Carl, especially or you, Connor. To,
1: to talk. It's not about being qualified. I know. That, none of that matters. I know, yeah, I know.
0: I'm just this is my way of covering my ass as I tread into a, a potentially dicey waters. Fair enough. And what I want to do is I want to talk specifically because this is the only thing that I really have context for is I'm I'm I can look at art and make my snap judgments on it. I can't look at humans and make any mm-hmm. kind of judgments on them. That's just not in my nature. But I can think about this art. And I do think that there is a difference between Jack and Ennis' relationship with their wives. A very, a very important difference. Yes. I think that Jack yeah. has a genuine sexual connection with his wife and the one who mm-hmm. fades out of it is her rather than him. Yeah. Yes. I think that Ennis, and I I'd swear to you that I believe, and I can, I can back this up with performance, I don't think Ennis is ever sexually attracted to his wife and Bird and I were no, actually Bert, he loves her, yes but he doesn't
2: he's not sexually attracted to her exactly. as evidenced by when he flips her over and puts her in the jack position it's not even yes. that it's yeah.
0: the the moment that the moment that to me is the quintessential like how Ennis feels about his wife is more fond than attracted or chemistry yeah. is yeah. there's a moment when they go sledding so when yes. when they go sledding, they get to the bottom of the hill, and they uh, she they like tumble and fall, and she oh let me let me help you up you know, and he reaches down to help pull her up because they've tumbled out of their sled, and she grabs him, and when she like grabs him like with both arms to pull him down into the snow, it's a beautiful acting moment. Again, there is just for a split second he engages. He grabs her and starts to wrestle like he wrestled with Jack. But then he immediately softens and stops wrestling. And what we end up with is they end up kneeling, facing each other in the snow. And he puts a like a little boop, a little yeah. pat of snow. And most importantly to me is he like boops her on the nose and yeah. gently touches her cheek. And it is... Yeah. It is the least. So fond. Yes, right. it's it, there's it's there is fun. yep. It's fond. It's you're my best friend. It's oh, yeah. we're but there is no sexual chemistry mm-hmm. there at all. It's almost like a father and child kind of relationship to me. In just it in is. that moment, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's any weird creepiness going on, but that's no. the, that's the vibe. It's like oh, you are just the oh, you're so cute. But for is one.
2: And he's also protective of her Definitely. as well as evidenced by the fireworks scene at the the church picnic, which exactly I'm sure we'll get to Keep later your mouth down well, I just
1: think this might be a good time since we're talking about Alma uh Alma uh besides the tragedy that happens uh with Jack um I think that she her character has the the the, the toughest time in this movie she is the other tragedy I agree absolutely like it's just so fucking as much as I'm in love with with the main couple in this story, my heart absolutely breaks for Alma. And yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not going to get it. No, it's because it. I've been in that relationship before where you are just trying so fucking hard and the other person is, you know what they're up to, but you don't have the courage or the strength to confront it in any sort of way. So as much as I love the two of them, I fucking hate Ennis for what he does to Alma. And it just like breaks my fucking heart. It's so fucking much. It's her. One,
2: go ahead. Oh, go sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say her monologue about his fishing tackle box man, mm-hmm. is absolutely gutting. <sighs> that kid. Yeah. Wait, wait, like
1: wait.
0: wait. Come over, We're going all Can the way to, to up, the yeah. end of the movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's sorry. Sorry. We're, but since get, we're, we're talking about fell like
0: after that appropriate right to... uh, you know yeah, what yeah. if you guys want to if you guys want to jump around just to stay on theme or stay on topic spotlight? we can do that do you want to do you want to jump to that kitchen sink moment
1: I think so because I think actually we've been we've been actually doing a very good job of, of hitting the movie in its broad yeah, strokes and in and on
0: theme yeah right and okay, we, so, we can yeah, always I mean, back clean up at the it, end too so sorry well, go ahead yeah
2: did you have more to say about their first time on the mountain because I think the the sex scenes are, you know, the major points that we hit. And they've kind of come down from the mountain at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I he's gone back to Alma and has started his life with her. And, and Jack's sort of bumming around in Texas. Mm-hmm. At, at that
0: point. The the only thing I want to say about their second tent scene, when we have mm-hmm. the fire, we have very soft acoustic guitar, Where so it's scored. It is shot like a, a traditional, TV. yeah, it's shot as like a traditional love scene rather than the first one, which is a, a real... Love scene. This one is like, I, I'm I'm sure you read the trivia that they mocked up the cover specifically to uh, be evocative of the cover of Titanic, because they yes, wanted yeah. to they wanted to associate it with another romance yep. film. So the thing that I love most about the second tent scene is, I, I guess we I should I should just put this out there, elephant in the room for me is I like Jake Gyllenhaal in this. But I think it is very clear That Heath Ledger's performance is the superior Of the two I hate to like mm-hmm. rate performances Yeah but, me too but you're,
2: I, you're
1: I'm, not, I,
0: I'm not Saying Jake Gyllenhaal's not amazing in this He is outstanding no, this is Heath, such a good Heath performance
2: He's doing something on another level I mean they level. are both outstanding but Yes absolutely Heath was nominated lead actor and jake was nominated for a supporting actor i'd be he's terrified
1: played. to be in anything with
0: heath ledger like just
2: he's doing something on a whole different level in this movie yeah,
0: yeah. it's we always we always oh. use daniel day lewis as the transcendental actor or whatever you could say or Tom Thomas Hardy. Hardy or gary but, oldman but i honestly would for me i would put Daniel Day-Lewis and then like my number two I, I always go to Tom Hardy and Gary Holden because they're still alive right. of course that's, that's his that's super where I was gonna death, go imagine
1: but... imagine where imagine he'd be he on your a, list we, if he would have been alive for another 20 don't know years
2: What he might have done after this and he was just getting started it was like this in 05 Dark Knight in 08 and then he was gone
0: right and yeah um, we, we we saw that we were probably going to have a, like this was Heath Ledger was going to be maybe the be best great, actor of all time,
2: one of the great actors of mm-hmm. the 21st century for sure. And also, I, I think people, uh, I love The Dark Knight. I think it's a fantastic film. I think his performance is incredible in that movie. It's he shocking. He won the Oscar posthumously, and I don't think there was another person that year that could have possibly won that. I Even if he died, I still think he would have won the Oscar for that role. However, I think this is his best performance. I I think, undoubtedly, uh, you know, I, I granted I haven't seen all of his movies, but I think it's between this and The Dark Knight, and I think his as Ennis in this is one of the most incredible performances well, ever.
1: Well, you seen. know what's wild is they are both great for the same reason because Heath Ledger completely goes away, and these two other characters he's just gone. become him or he becomes them. Yes, there's right. no performance anymore. It's like Daniel Day Lewis is the butcher of new york
0: what it's trans it's transcendent in its yes it's transformative the transformation yeah. is so utterly complete that mm-hmm. it's shocking in the same way that seeing daniel day lewis in there will be blood is shocking because yeah. you you've seen interviews with him or, or actually with daniel day lewis there's an added element of You've He's kind of seen,
2: mysterious. yeah, like You the... do a lot of interviews, and then he'll move to Ireland and become a I'm cobbler for a few years, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so while while Carl ducks out momentarily, do you let's go back to the mountain really quick? We're almost down off of the mountain, but I want to talk about the last so.
2: <laughs>
0: what do you think about the lassoing <laughs> leading to fisticuffs? Now,
2: um, I. I... Yeah, I think it's along those same lines of still not quite wanting to accept what's going on or accept what it's become. Um, and I think it's interesting too, because there, it's almost like Ennis is getting ready to go back into society. Like he's putting on his different hat. Sure. And then um, Jack kind of lassos him and almost like pulls him back onto the mountain and and back into what they were doing there. Whereas Ennis is like, I'm going back to Alma. We're going to get a ranch. You know, he's like already almost in that mindset of time to come down off the mountain, time to go home, time to leave this behind. As they say before, like this was a one shot thing, you know, this is, this is not ever going to happen again. This is just, it's nobody's business but ours, but we leave it on the mountain. It's that what happens in Vegas sort of thing. Right. Right. And and so I think he's already transitioned into coming down off the mountain, whereas Jack's not ready for the fun to end. Well, he's never ready for the fun to end.
0: I, right right the... before this lassoing scene, there's a moment oh, yeah. where, um, where Ennis Del Mar finds out that uh, Geary wants them to bring the herd down a month early. <laughs> and Brilliant. I think I think there's a really interesting um, echo of when earlier Jack says, Geary can't make me do this. I think it's it's damn foolish that he wants me to go. And, and the reason that he's saying that is because he wants to stay with Ennis in the tent. Yes. And here... Ennis bitches about Geary. Well, he's gonna cut us out of a whole goddamn month's pay and fuck that. That's but the reason that yep. he's complaining again is because he wants to stay with Jack. Those are yes. moments in this film; these are yep. points in the timeline that draw towards each other. And I think that's amazing. And I think that that oh, one of my favorite little moments. Again, this is might be hand acting; it might just be part of his performance. But when he goes and sits, when he like. Fl- sits down on that stump And picks up that split chunk of log Taps it into mm-hmm. the ground And then fires it off to the left That is one of those Moments of like physical acting That seems so natural That if you have watched a million movies For a podcast where you look for natural acting It stands out as being mm-hmm. Just gorgeously natural But the next scene is The, na- the lassoing, I want to talk about this Because One of the things that these two guys both talk about and is a main part of this movie is rodeoing. And one of the things you do in rodeoing is you do calf roping. Mm -hmm. So this moment has a lot of... This moment ties to other moments. This is, I think, one of those weird... uh, Like, this this is the trunk and there's a million branches that all echo back to this moment. And I think one of the metaphors or one of the symbols that we're working with here... Because who is it that wants to Let's start a life together We can get a ranch together We can move up to my parents house And we'll work the ranch Jack Mm -hmm. is the one who wants to rope Ennis to him He doesn't like that Ennis is I'm going to use air quotes here But he doesn't like that Ennis is wild Ennis is just this thing that drifts into his life From time to time Ennis is never his In the way that Jack wants him to be his And Jack at this moment When they're about to be separated He physically, literally tries to rope Ennis, and then Mm -hmm. he tries to grapple him. He's like, "All right, I've caught you," and he pulls Ennis Mm -hmm. towards him, and then he grabs him with his hands. He's like, "I got you, all right. I roped you, and I brought you back." And Ennis punches him in the face, Mm -hmm. and walks. uh, Jack does not punch him in the face. Jack accidentally hits him in the face as they're grappling. Ennis punches Jack Mm -hmm. in the face, and you Mm -hmm. get the sense that. in this in this symbolic moment, Jack is the cowboy. He's trying to rope his steer in or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is not. I'm I'm going to just use metaphors, and if it, it however it sounds, this is how it's going to sound. But this is not a bronc that you can break. This is not. I mean, he actually has a line earlier, and, and he's never been a bronc that can throw me until mm-hmm. he meets Ennis, because Ennis c- will really- not. Be caught in this lasso Ennis will not be roped into this life With Jack Ennis is going to do his own thing Even if it reduces him To utter lifelong Poverty and weeping And There's a moment later in the movie where Ennis Says you made me this way
2: he says, "I've got it written down." He says, "I knew you
0: would." Sorry, this was a specific note of mine. Bless you. He's
2: crying and he's doing. Speaking of hand acting, he's doing that incredible hand acting where he's got his thumbs up like that. Nobody can see this, but sure, sure, they can because like, I'm recording like, it. it Great. His thumbs are like on his eyes like this while he's crying. It's a very strange, specific thing he's doing right. while he's crying. But he's like, he's got his thumbs like on his eyes, and he says it's because of you, Jack, I'm like this, I'm nothing. And that's the point at which, and we'll talk more about this, but he really has been reduced to nothing in his life. He is utterly impoverished. All of his money is going to child support at that point in time. He's got, you know, he bums around from job to job, but he's never holding a job for very long. And he's got nothing. He he's, and yeah, he does say, he says it's because of you, Jack, I'm like this, right. Essentially, blaming him for his, whatever you want to call it, homosexuality or his, his tendencies or the love Mm -hmm. he feels for Jack. And I think that's a salient point, uh, because this is all subtext, but I think would you guys agree that it's clear that this was not Jack's first experience with another man? I had that thought
1: much earlier in the conversation. Um, that, the, yeah, I don't think this is. I think this is because he's when they're
2: on Brokeback, he's very intentionally pursuing Ennis, yes, in a way that you wouldn't, in a way that Ennis doesn't, if you were confused or not totally comfortable with yourself in that regard. I mean, he is through his insinuations and his body language and everything, he's from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah very he's leering
1: definitely. at him in, in the...
2: I think it's clear through the subtext that Jack understand. has done this before. Right. Not to the romantic degree that it is with Ennis, but he's definitely had some sort of a sexual... He's been to
1: Mexico before. before. He's been
2: to Mexico. He talks about it later. He said, hell yeah, I've been to Mexico. Well, um, he yeah, at, at said... At one. His...
0: Uh, sorry to talk over you, but when Ennis says uh Ennis he says like yeah I've been down to Mexico and and Ennis goes I know what they've got down in Mexico for boys like you or guys like you or whatever and he says if I ever find out these things that I don't know I'll kill you I gotta say this to you one time Jack and I ain't fooling what I don't know
2: all them things I don't know could get you killed if I should come to know them sure
0: sure and then Jack says. Read the, no, Jack read is? the line. Read the line. Sorry, I know I'm reading right from the the story here. No, that, I'm it. glad that you brought it because I knew you were going to, and I was hoping it
2: is, that it is. I mean, that dialogue is verbatim from the story right into the script. Right, it's right. Amazing. Uh, um, sorry, I'll get to that point in a second. But Jack says, "Try this one," said Jack, and I'll say it just one time. Tell you what, we could have had a good life together, a fucking real good life. You wouldn't do it, Ennis, so what we got now is Brokeback Mountain. Everything built on that. It's all we got, boy, fucking all. So I hope you know that if you don't never know the rest, count the damn few times we've been together in 20 years, measure the short fucking leash you keep me on, then ask me about Mexico, and then you tell me you'll kill me for needing it and not hardly getting it. You got no fucking idea how bad it gets. I'm not you. I can't make it on a couple of high-altitude fucks once or twice a year. You're too much for me, Ennis, you son of a whore son, bitch. I wish I knew how to quit you. Right. So, Anyway, that is Fuck. verbatim from the short story right into the script, and that is the
0: exact line that he gives right
2: there. Um,
0: And the, the, the reason I like those two lines of dialogue together, especially when we consider Jack's character, Jack does go to Mexico. I, I think that scene of him walking into the darkness at the end of the alley with the Mexican male prostitute is... Yes. It's so ominous there's nothing given given how we've seen jack jack's interactions with other men thus far those have all all the stuff with ennis is uh, outstanding very romantic lots of chemistry beautiful the weird stuff with i can't remember the actor's name i I will get to the note later but it's um new hellboy or he plays sheriff
2: david harbour david harbour yeah thank you
0: um absolutely great even that moment on the bench, there's a little bit of, like, awkward elementary school, like, first, do you like me, circle yes or no kind mm-hmm. of subtext going on. But there's something kind of cruel about the the scene in Mexico. The fact that Jack's not smiling. The fact that he doesn't have any pleasantries for the guy that he's it's hiring. It's just a nod, and then they walk into the dark it's a fun bit of trivia that guy the male prostitute in mexico is rodrigo prieto
2: the cinematographer (laughs) oh hilarious
0: (laughs) hey good for you man play that role so he just jumped in and was like i'll do it yeah no wonder that one shot looks like shit he wasn't working it (laughs) i'm kidding it looks it's everything is masterful
2: that's terrible
0: yeah it's poorly lit it's a little out of focus (laughs) fucked up i just thought that was funny that is funny um. So, did and did Ang Lee do the motion capture for the sheep for this? Or he did the motion capture for the sex scene. Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> that makes oh, then they just photoshopped. He was
2: Jack's butt in the sex scene. Ang Lee was doing the motion I think, sorry, it's, guys, season four, you're trying to be better. But.
0: No, honestly, I don't, I'm not sure we are. <laughs>